1: You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out do go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> hey, 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 who him. delivers I, I, this guy <laughs> in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. agree. I agree.
0: Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Grace alongside, as always, the King of Banter and the leader of the Hardcore Wrestling intelligentsia, Mister Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it
1: going? It's going alright. I feel like I'm doing one of these every single day now. So, uh...
0: yeah, you are the uh, the undisputed King of Audio uh, right now. I, how, have you gone? You know, for, what, what's sort of the what's your insanity level right now? I mean, we're we're what four days into the G1? Like, how are you feeling? How's it looking? What are the future prospects? Well, how? Give us give us a you know a little look into the mind of Joe Lanza right now as he's doing literally hourly audio updates.
1: Ah, it's all good. I mean, um, the G one the way it's spread out, uh, it hasn't really been any anything close to a chore sure, yet. I mean, there were three shows in a row. Now there's like three days off in a row. Then there's this is the first coming up is the first four day in a row stretch, but there's only two of those, and this is the first of those two, and. I think you'll be doing one of those shows anyway, Mm -hmm. coming up this weekend. So, um, because ironically enough, I have a wedding to go to after just (laughs) (laughs) ranting about throwing wedding invitations in the trash. Um,
0: Have you have you given people the details on this wedding yet, or is this a a breaking wedding that we have not discussed yet?
1: No, I talked about this one on the TV reviews. This is the one I found on the refrigerator, and I was like, "Who the fuck are these clowns? You know, do I have to go to this?" and uh yeah the wife was like yes you have evidently
0: yes (laughs) yes you do have to go to that so so what's your we've heard about this before but we obviously have new listeners what is the Lanza wedding what does Lanza do during a wedding how does he sort of approach different things because my you know I'm not a big wedding fan but I I I do drink so like I will begrudgingly like you know drink you know my money's worth when I'm at this wedding like you know do a little bit of dancing here and there but for the most part just kind of drink and hang out and have fun you do not drink, though, and I don't believe you dance. So, what is the Lanza wedding like this particular wedding? Like, you don't, you've said that you don't really know that many people for this wedding. So, you show up, the, the lovely Brittany's looking amazing. You're wearing whatever cheap suit you have or whatever. And do you just sit at your table and just sit there? What, what do you mingle? What What do you do at a wedding like this where you don't know anybody?
1: I right, first of all, Joe Lanza does not dance. Let's get that out of the way.
0: I thought you were going to get upset about the cheap suit part,
1: but. That was a side
0: swipe that I kind of threw in there. Listen, are you a cheap suit guy or do you get like a nice no one, solid tailored suit? No
1: one's buying that. Everybody knows I'm a classy gentleman and <laughs> I will not be wearing a, a, a cheap suit.
0: Not um, an off the rack. You don't go to a department store rack suit. No.
1: Uh, I'm not going to say I don't have any off the rack suits in the closet. Um,
0: you need it for a funeral. You need to have an off the rack suit, you know what I mean? Like one that's always kind of just hanging up there that you can put on at a moment's notice or whatever. You always got to have a few of those. You
1: got to have a couple in the closet, you got to have a couple off the racks in the closet. There's nothing wrong with that, but uh, no, it'll, it'll not be an off the rack job at this wedding. I've already been instructed and, and told what I'm going to wear. You see, Rich, as a married uh, man, I, I no longer dress myself. You know this full well. <laughs> Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, what I'm wearing has to match her fucking shoes and her gimmicks and everything. And I think I'm actually going to match the boy. So it, she's got a whole thing planned. You know what I mean? So it's like, whatever. Just tell me what to wear. Happy wife, happy life. Joe Lanza does not dance. Okay. That's number one. Let's get that squared away. Joe Lanza does not drink, as you full know. So what I will be doing at this wedding, where I know nobody, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to know like a single person. Um, you know, um, you know, you see, if it's a family, if it's my own family, I can mingle a little, talk to random cousins I haven't seen in 25 years and, you know, just whatever. Wedding like this don't know anybody? I will be sitting at the table, not speaking for the duration of this event, <laughs> just f- fucking around with my phone, praying it doesn't die and waiting to go home. And just, you know, the, the kids are coming. I'll just play with the kids. You know,
0: and- well that that can help then. That that that's actually pretty good yeah. because if it was just you and, and and Brittany, of course. Then like, but now you have the kids to be like, ah, you know, they're doing this. You can chase them around or act like you're paying attention to that. Like, so that's actually a good uh, a benefit to a wedding is going with the kids and then being able to sort of be distracted by them because otherwise, yeah, you're thumbing through your phone and it's one of those things too. And I get that sometimes where I'm at weddings where you look down at your phone, it's you know eight oh five, and you're like, oh god, this thing's not over till eleven. And then twenty minutes later, you look back and it's like eight oh seven. You're like, oh my god, how is was it only two songs have played? How was it only been two minutes? Like this is unbelievable. And then the the goddamn chicken dance is going on, some shitty Taylor Swift song, and you're just you just want to go, you just want to get out of there. And that's that's coming from someone who-, who who drinks. And and there are people I know that enjoy weddings. I just don't know how. I don't know how you enjoy weddings. There's nothing appealing about a wedding whatsoever is this in like just a generic venue too is it just in like a hotel lobby or or a hotel banquet hall or is this someone this maybe a cool place we can go outside and 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 do i don't God only knows what i don't know what you're gonna do but at least it gives you an escape or something to kind of act like you're doing i
1: have no fucking clue all i know is i'm getting dragged to it i don't know details uh, i got i got these i got these people on my refrigerator who i've never seen in my life <laughs> who i'm never gonna see again See, these are her
0: relatives, correct? Or not your? Or or what? What is the connection with these
1: people? These are like her cousin that she never talks to, or sees, or something. I don't know. So it's like, and that's the that's the painful part too. Got to slip a crisp hundred in an envelope for these people. You know, that's the other thing. We're gonna
0: talk to you again. You're, You're lucky if you get a thank you card. And when you do get a thank you card, it's just a generic, you know, thank you for your gift. And they just pocket that shit and they're they're good to go. Yeah.
1: And they're rocking some serious Western wear on this invitation, so this is gonna be. Ooh, <laughs> okay,
0: hold on a minute. It's
1: gonna be a real Texas hoedown, <laughs> I think, too, which is another. Uh, can
0: we? Are, are we guaranteed a Lanza lens uh, at at some point during the night? I can do that. Okay.
1: I think I can. I can provide uh, a Lanza lens. I think I can do that, especially if it's a real.
0: Te- if it's a hoedown, yeah. If it's just a generic like white person no, wedding, no reason like for that, it, yeah. We've all seen that. We've all seen, you know, white people dancing to Beyoncé single ladies, your least favorite song of all time. We know about that. We're good. But if it's a hoedown, you got to get on the dance Lens
1: for sure. Yeah, if this is some real Texas shit kicker shit XXX and I Triple
0: X jugs getting passed around, some, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be the last one I went to on uh, you know, with a with a with a TLB family member. I mean, I I felt like I was like I should have been parking cars. I was the only one wearing a suit. It was just it was <laughs> Starched Wranglers and 10-gallon hats everywhere. It was unreal. It was ridiculous. Uh, dinner was chicken fried steak. Ooh, and okay, uh, you know,
0: I'll, I'll take that. Because the usual wedding dinner fare is pretty terrible.
1: So I, I would take a good chicken fried steak. And you had two drink options. There was, oh. <laughs> you could have kegged beer.
0: What type? Do you know what type? I mean, obviously, you're not a, not a drinker. Did you, did, was, was the rumors going around about what? The, I, was it Lone Star beer? Was listen, it, like... it was
1: Texas. I'm sure it was Shiner Bach. Oh, that um, cider's pretty solid. So it was, it, guy, was, guy. it was kegged beer or, of course, sweet tea. Those were your beverage options. <laughs> Neither of which – Was alcoholic sweet tea or no? No, just, this is just like, yeah, tea. those are your two options. Neither of which work for me. I cannot stand tea. I don't know if I've ever given you the tea
0: rant. You have, yes, and we've disagreed about yeah. that many times. It's
1: swamp water. It's leaves and water. It's literally yeah, a swamp. Fine. It's disgusting. I cannot drink tea. Uh, so you know, you know, I found like a water fountain in the venue. So that was my <laughs> sustenance for the night. I can't even get a bottle of Evian. What the fuck is going on? You know, where where am I? You know, what's going on here? So if it's if it's like that again, okay, and if, if there's like a live band with a man with a fiddle, you can bet your ass there's gonna be some Lanza Lens going on to show you the torture that I am enduring. Now that now the kids being there is an advantage, Rich, and I'm gonna tell you why. All I gotta do is tell TLB that the kids are cranky and we're at it. You know what I mean? I Oh, know. I didn't think of that.
0: Yeah, and they're they I can hear them in the background. They're getting a little. Cranky. Yeah, they're getting they're cranky they're getting now. Yeah. Uh You got to like on that day while she's getting ready, just don't let them sleep. Exactly. You know, kind of yeah. agitate them a little bit. Like just do you know like not be an actual like asshole, but you know just kind of like. You know, drop something and, and kind of wake them up a little bit. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Or hey, do you guys want to play? Or you know, just a little bit, just a little subtle stuff, so they don't they don't get a good nap. They get an okay nap, but not a great. I think nap. the boy. So by I think eight boy, o'clock, eight thirty, they are toast and ready to go. I think he's skipping a
1: the nap, they go to bed at seven, so they're going to be winding down uh, very early into this thing. It's going to be a long day for them. So that's a that, it's a. I'm glad they're coming. Solid. I'm glad solid, they're coming because yeah. I can just hang out with them. And then you know, around six forty-five, seven o'clock, I be like, hey, look, they're starting to get cranky. I know she's gonna want to get drunk, so she'll probably want to wait another half hour, forty-five minutes, if she, you know, doesn't have enough, uh, you know, keg shiner in her yet. But, you know, it, but but that's a good, you know, because without the kids, forget it. I'm stuck there till like you're, you're
0: done, saying, you're toast there till ten or eleven, yeah, until that thing, until the venue sh- makes you leave. You're, you're yeah, there. until that man pack, part and, and, of a until wedding. that
1: man packs his fiddle. I'm I'm there. You know, that's just, <laughs> I, I'm hoping there's a. A a, a wider variety to the dinner. I I hope I at least have a choice here. I mean, give me a chicken or a fish here. This chicken fried steak for everyone. I mean, that was uh, outrageous. But uh, I didn't hate the chicken fried steak. It was just odd to me that that was the only option. You know, I'm just not used to this Texas thing.
0: I don't go to a. God forbid you're a vegetarian. I'm sure that did not go over
1: well for anybody. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're. (laughs) Believe me, they wouldn't have had any remorse for that. I'm in the middle of fucking shit kicker Texas. I don't even know what town this thing is in. I don't know anything. All I know is there's a man on the invitation with some starched Wranglers and a fucking button-up Western shirt, and I, I'm never going to see him again. But, uh, you know, I hope...
0: I need, a, I need a bolo tie count as well when you're there. I need uh, an exact number. Of, like, like you would count attendances at, a, at an indie show, I need bolo tie counts. If you, can-
1: you know what there was a lot of, too? There was a lot of, like, um, where they'd have like their dress shirt on, right? But they'd have it buttoned down almost to their belly button with no undershirt and just their hairy Texas chests hanging out you understand oh, there was yeah, there was okay. there was a lot of that going on too interesting i didn't know you could pull that move off i like that move. Yeah. I, I would i would yeah. i would like to there pull it off. there was yeah there was all kinds of that going on uh you know there was there were, the handshakes were hearty these were not wrestler handshakes the handshakes i got at that wedding were very hearty they'll give you a firm handshake in texas
0: for sure oh absolutely.
1: you're going to get a firm handshake uh you know i think i was the only person wearing fucking shoes <laughs> i mean this was a boot wedding I mean, it was just all kinds of patterns, the fucking rattlesnake patterns, all kinds of shit, fucking, you know, metal tipped fucking gimmicks. I'm the only one wearing a suit and shoes. I, seriously, I, I felt like I could have valeted the cars and, and no one would have known the difference. Like, I, I, I'm i the only goofball there wearing a suit and tie. It was ridiculous. So I'm, I, you know, I'm rocking the suit and tie again. We'll see, you know, you know. I look. I'm a goomba you on a can't, foreign land. You can't land. change
0: who you are. That's right. Yeah, you can't change who you are. You got to be that guy. And then it, it, you know what? If anything, it's a good conversation piece. Like it'll pass the time because somebody will come up and call you a city slicker or something like that, or somebody will, you know. And then you can talk to one of these guys at least. And then then ten minutes of your time is is gone. And you do a few of those. You cut into a little bit. I mean, that, you always got to. Weddings is all about finding anything that's going to waste your time besides being at that wedding. Like like I'll go to the bathroom like forty five times. You know what I mean? Like to a point yeah. where I don't even have to go, but I, just to get up and to move around and to exit and kind of take your time, you know, you're looking at the thing, maybe there's some banter going on in the bathroom, you're looking around at the venue when you get out, like I'll go out with the smokers, like if they're smoking I'm like, yeah, I'll go out. Like you smoke now, nah, I'm just going to hang out a little bit, you know, that's the key too. Go out with the smokers and and pee like 45 times. And then, you know, that cuts an hour away and then you're just you, you got to just chip away a little bit. Every little bit counts
1: at a wedding. Well, I'm hoping, look, I'm I'm looking to change a lot of diapers. Cuz that'll give me a chance to get up and go do something. So, no problem with diaper changing. Two kids. Look, I'm the only WAP in Texas. Okay, there's like none. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna be walking around looking for chicken parmesan, you know, and and you know, it, it, it's just it's it's you know, it's gonna be an an absolute disaster. But I'll just be bored out of my mind. But look, I got to you know, this is this is called dues paying. I got to do stuff like this so I can. Slip into the office and record dopey three-hour wrestling podcast once a week. <laughs> you know that's 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 how it it's goes. amazing. I, I wonder. It's... I always
0: wonder in my life. Like, what what would I? Because I don't like really take any other liberties in terms of my relationship. Because this is like the biggest liberty, or the fact that like you know I'll, I'll watch New Japan in the morning, or I'll go wake up on a Saturday morning and watch New Japan, or I do this, and like. I always wonder, like, what what, what I fill with that time, like, what other things would I do? Because I then I'm a I'm obviously a model citizen the rest of the week because I feel like, hey, I gotta go talk to Joe for three hours on Wednesday night or whatever. It's just like you gotta always, you, you, like you said, you gotta pay those dues, and I just do wonder what what those other dues uh, or what, what I would sort of use my my this time on. And but I just I I, I you know I, I use it for wrestling and, and talking to you. So
1: yeah. So um, what all this leads to is Rich is doing the G1 audio Saturday. So that that's what all this means. Um, <laughs> I won't be around for that, and, uh, you know, uh, Rich will step in and and, and do that. I, I don't even know what show that is, but we'll get to that, I guess, later in the show. I believe
0: that's night, uh, no, 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 night, uh, night six, I believe, but we'll, we'll get to that here in yeah, a little Yeah, well, bit. So there's a show tonight. And, yes, and then there's a show Friday, and then, Right. yeah, so it's, I think it's night. Oh, so you, night, the night third night,
1: of night. the four straight nights is the one you'll Right, known.
0: correct. Right, there you go. Oh, is that a good card? I hope that's a good card. Oh, it's not a good card, I'll bear it. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, no, it's a good one. No, no, it's not great. All right, whatever, not a big deal. But that's at patreon.com uh, slash Voices Wrestling. That's also where Joe's, uh, if it's a hoot nanny, if his wedding is a hoot nanny hoedown, uh, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling is where you'll hear that. Uh, also, some other stuff that we're going to get to here today. We got the G1 Climax. We're going to do some catch-ups, uh, a little bit of preview of what's going on this weekend, as we mentioned the four shows. Uh, and then we'll kind of recap what's happened so far in the G1, where people are at after a few days. Uh, we got a preview of Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, a show that I know uh, for most of you, I uh, want to check out the uh, preview. Is up on VoiceWrestling Really good stuff there. We had a lot of passionate stuff on that preview. Joe Lanza himself is on our preview. So there we go. The big dogs come up for the uh, the Slam Anniversary I never thought I'd see the day. There was people. We had a fight to get onto the Slam Anniversary preview on this way. Like that has never happened. Like we have uh, Andrew Sinclair who does our weekly Impact column. He was like, "Hey, I'll do the Impact column and like I'll send it to you, Rich." And then like people just started popping out of nowhere. Like, "Hey, I want to be in it. I want to be in it." So that is awesome that that's in there. So uh, that'll be up at VoiceWrestling by the time most of you guys listen to this. Uh, we got some news about the ROH New Japan in uh, Madison Square Garden because, of course, we record the show. And then immediately after, that news came out, which would have been nice. But whatever, we can talk about it this week. Um, and then what we're going to lead the show off with here in a moment, WWE Extreme Rules 2018, which, speaking of Nannies, that is going to be a show, and that's going to be a review you're going to want to listen to. Uh, but, Joe, before we do that, do you want to let the fine folks know about Dollar Shave Club?
1: Sure, Rich. I would love to let people know about Dollar Shave Club. If you ever shower or brush your teeth or make your hair look presentable, boy, do I have great news for you. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and yes, smell your best. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. You name it shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, and even the famous One Wipe Charlie's that'll leave your tushy feeling tingly clean. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients. That won't break your budget. We promise you'll feel the difference because we have. Shipping is included with your membership. So for just 5 bucks today, you can try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's amazing products. You'll get their Daily essential Starter Set that comes with the body cleanser, the One Wipe Charlies, the world-famous shave butter, and their best razor, the only razor that ever touches Joe Lanza's face, the Six-Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month, And you can add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you want for the bathroom, the butt wipes. They got it all. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices.
0: Now, Joe, you'll be given a clean shave before the wedding, of course, with your executive blade, right? Absolutely. My, uh, yep, I'd use it this morning. Yeah, that's right. My I'm, cheeks I'm in, will be... I'm starting to shave a little bit more. I, I, I went, like, years without shaving, and we got these Dollar Shave Club things in the mail all the time. I'm like, yeah, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll shave a little bit. And the nurse is, is enjoying it. She always said she liked the stubble, but she's starting to enjoy the uh, the, the smooth. You gotta mix uh, it up.
1: You gotta mix it up.
0: Right, right. Like, she got bored of that. I get it. It's like four years of, like, you know, the stubble or whatever. So now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to integrate it a little bit. You know, I'm not... I like the stubble a little bit, but I, I enjoy the clean shave every so often now. But, like, the... The big, you know, kind of hulking—I I didn't have a giant beard, but I had, you know, a little, a little something there for a while. And now I've kind of—I I've moved on from that. I've, I've, I've. It also, Joe, as I want to admit, it, it actually kind of comes in gray, which is a pathetic thing <laughs> for a thirty-one-year-old. But it kind of comes in gray, and I don't want—I don't want to be a salt and pepper guy quite yet. I'm not—you're not ready for that. Distinguish enough to get that? No, no, no. So that's why I gotta gotta shave it a little bit. Dollarshaveclub.com/slash/voice.
1: not I'm ready to be salt and pepper played. guy yet, huh?
0: No, nah, not a thirty-one. I mean, thirty-five, maybe. Like, if I got a little kid running around, I'll do, I'll do salt and pepper guy. But you know, I want to, I want to still be a little youthful.
1: I hear you. Well, my cheeks will be as smooth as my tush. Come that way. <laughs> are you? A, do you have a hairy ass? Are you a hairy ass guy? Um, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a hairy
0: everywhere guy. So you're a yeah. hairy
1: ass, huh? Yeah. Do you got, do you got a hairy ass cheeks, or do you just have like the hairy like butt crack, like, like are you?
0: No, I don't have a hairy butt crack. Uh, Oh, you're the
1: oh oh I see. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't
0: know. I didn't I didn't know that
1: I didn't know they come. There's plenty of people that have a hairy buck crack. That's how they get the dingleberries. You know, you know, you get the dingleberries up there because you got the hairy buck crack.
0: I mean a little. I mean a little bit, but I don't know. I I guess I, I don't know the extent of some people's hair like i got a little bit in there but i don't know you know you got
1: the fuzzy back. cheeks though huh that's interesting i do i do, yeah. do, you, do you have salt and pepper on your ass cheeks or is that just all uh, you know i haven't
0: looked i'll have the nurse take a look and i would and like an back answer back for me so yeah i will, I will find out uh, to be sure i'll let him i let him, you know obviously it grows because i don't uh, i don't shave it i should use so the you don't manscape your butt cheeks not the butt cheeks no yeah some other parts of the body but not the uh, not the butt cheeks. Yes. That seems like a lot of work. How do you even? Yeah, I don't. No, I don't.
1: What manscaping the butt cheeks? Yeah, nobody cares. a couple easy swipes unless you really got some tangulation going on. I don't like yeah,
0: that. no, no, no. But who cares? Like, like I don't is it enough
1: to? Is it that. enough to grab or is it just like a?
0: No, no, no. It's just okay. Like a, okay,
1: so yeah, it's just kind of peach fuzz ish. That whatever, could you so. could just swipe that right off with the executive razor. You know, you just get down there and yeah. You're... But it's the
0: worst read. Can't... <laughs> <She's $4.
1: laughs>
0: when that, when I give them the timestamps, I'm definitely cutting it. Uh, oh, they've definitely stopped this, listening so.
1: by now. I mean, you, you know, yeah, I hope. I really. really this hope. is this is not officially part of the read. This is just ass hair banter. So they're you know right. This is added
0: value. We are adding value to our sponsors by talking about <laughs> shaving our butt cheeks.
1: So. That's right. I mean, and Extreme Rules was like an ass show. So it's it's a it's a perfect segue when you really think about it. Yeah, speaking of
0: dingleberries this fucking dingleberry shell, of a fucking guy. shell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have more hair in my ass crack. I don't have any hair on my ass cheeks. I, my ass cheeks are very bare. Um but I do now that I think about it. I've got some some hairs rocking like at the top part of the crack. You know like the mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we all have. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's what I meant by that. You know, I like inside the crack, I guess I got uh, some hairs there on the inner cheek, but uh my but the, the outer cheek themselves they're they're pretty bare. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have those little I got nothing going yeah, on. Kind
0: of like the yeah. the, the hairy tramp stamp thing going on, which the little the little triangle that that's fine. we all
1: kind of have. Yeah, that I thing. think so too. <laughs> I don't have a lot of Dingleberry issues though, so I don't think I have like like around the 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 balloon knot. Yeah, yeah, I
0: don't, I don't really either. So that that probably
1: like around the that probably answers. Yeah, well, that's your what question I'm saying. About, that yeah, like around the balloon knot itself, I don't have any hair. So that's where you're going to really run into a problem with the with the dingleberries <laughs> okay
0: we're stopping the show restarting this one's a disaster <laughs>
1: all right listen you know it's i have
0: enjoying it no, we
1: haven't had a good so... banter segment like this in a long time i it's just no it's been a while we felt pressured to, to, to get to the big topics the Yeah, big this stuff. came to this... mind and i was curious about yeah. your fucking ass cheeks I'm, I'm glad yeah no i'm, I... I'm glad we, we had this
0: discussion i'm sure people are gonna love this which is always what's <laughs> the best is like we always think that people don't want to hear this and then we always hear from people that are
1: like, yeah oh, you're always God, like oh i gotta stuff. cut that well, out you, and, you know and
0: then, yeah i know if we talked for three hours about dingleberries it'd be our highest rated Show ever. You know what I mean? Like it would be you yeah. know, maybe the last hour we'll talk about G1 or whatever.
1: But yeah, two hours of Dingleberry talk I think people would be pretty into. Well speaking of Ash cheeks, Rich. That's your that's your cute. Take it away.
0: The- WWE Extreme Rules 2018, Joe. Oh boy, so obviously this was Sunday's show. We um as of late, I'm sure you've noticed we've in our previews of WWE just kind of went over them quickly. I kinda of groan, Joe kinda of pushes through. He says this company sucks. I hate this shit. We talk about it on our Twitter account, at Voices Wrestling, how we're just kind of devoid of any thought and any sort of anger about it anymore because it's just kind of there. It doesn't really matter. And, you know, there's obviously shows like A Backlash or whatever that were just boring. You know, there are four hours of just nothing happening or three hours of nothing happening. And, and that's kind of what we're worried about the four-hour pay-per-view formats are going to be is just kind of these boring shows. And, and then they bring us Extreme Rules 2018, which is good because it kind of knocked me out of my malaise because, Joe, I cannot wait to fucking torch this piece of shit show I have, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I want to do the, oh, I don't really care. But this show was so egregiously terrible. It was so on-the-nose awful. There was so much crap in this show. And so much to kind of, like, juicy meat to talk about that that I'm, I'm fired up again. Because we're back at it, of uh, uh, burying this. Because there was a while where I felt, I'm not, yeah, you know, I don't want to waste my time burying this company. It is what it is. It's not for us. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But, man, this one was on another level. Did you think the same thing when it was over, too? I know you watched it, like, a day later and people were following uh your Twitter accounts, I think at one point you just said, "What is this show' and then I don't know if you tweeted anymore after that.
1: I mean this show had it all it 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 was you know horrible finishes, poorly booked uh results that didn't matter less than twenty four hours later. um not a single match that I would call good uh, maybe the main event maybe the maybe the main event was good, I don't know three and a quarter um, you know and, and a lot of angles that were disguised as matches uh and none of them good by the way um and and I, really, the worst offense of this show of all rich, despite all of those things I just said, was that it was really fucking boring from start to finish, and I think that's something that not enough people are talking about. they're all focusing on some of the shitty finishes, and the bad booking, and the, the silly angles that were run, and the disappointing matches, but this was 3 hours and 40 minutes of main... Uh, that doesn't count the pre-show, which, by the yeah, way, right. it was, was four, better than the main 40, show, by, by the way. way. yeah. Um, but this is 3 hours and 40 minutes of pure boredom, which is like the worst thing you can be. is boring. And, uh, you know, every match on this show was either a really short angle disguised as a match or a really long, boring match that had absolutely no juice. Um, you know, maybe I'll give the main event a pass, but as for everything else, it's like, it's just boring. And that that's really the worst thing you can be. i there, I have zero nice things to say. Zero. About anything that was on this show. And I don't know if I could say that about even other historically bad shows. I do think this was a historically bad show. I don't think it was the worst show I've ever seen. Or, I mean, Money in the Bank stunk, too. But, I mean, this is just, you know, what was, what's the one, is there anything redeeming to take away from this show? Maybe, what, Kevin Owens doing his monthly stunt? Um, Aside from that, what was the, were there any redeeming takeaways from this? Anything that was enjoyable? Anything that was, that, resonated positively on this show other than maybe just that Kevin Owens bump. I think you'll remember that forever in a positive way. Maybe,
0: maybe uh, I, I mean, he, he took an insane bump at money in the bank and I think everybody already forgot about that one. Like, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell if that bump will stand the test. Of true. Time. And that's, that's but kind I'm of, giving... that's kind of where I'm always at with those bumps is, is, you know, if you want to do like the Mick Foley one for better, or for worse, that defined his career. He then got a push after that. They show it all the time. It is synonymous. You know, anytime people talk, and even people today, the people that don't even watch wrestling, remember that moment. They remember watching that. They remember watching a gif. The JR, you know, audio was used on every single college football season. When there's a big hit, they use that. Like, that has lasted. That, that, That has stood the test of time. To this day, mankind has gotten so much out of that. WWE has gotten so much out of that spot. Yeah, I don't know that I would really recommend doing that to, to get famous, but that is one of the things. I don't know that this is. Like, Shane McMahon took a ridiculous bump off of Hell in a Cell, you know, a year ago. Do we, I don't know. I guess we kind of remember that a little bit. Like, last month, Kevin Owens took an insane bump at Money in the Bank, and, I, you know, is already kind of been overshadowed by this one, and, and I don't even know if this one's going to stand the test time. And this was an insane, insane bump, and we'll get to that one here in a little bit. But I want to answer your first question about redeeming factors. And to me, I, I, I got to a weird point in this match, or, or in the show, I should say, where it wasn't necessarily boring for me, because it was absolutely boring. There was a point halfway through the show, I was at my buddy's house watching this, where I said, oh my god, I'm so bored. And then the Bludgeon Brothers Team Hell No match happened, and that was just such utter booking shit, that I decided, you know what, this isn't boring anymore, this is fun bad, I'm going to torch the fuck out of the show for the rest of the night. And that I actually got some fun out of, is watching it in real time, and just saying, you know what, fuck this, this sucks, I'm burying the hell out of this. And I actually got some fun out of it then. So it became for me fun bad and that that's that's one redeeming factor to me is that I will remember having a blast realizing okay look my brain is gonna shut off and I am just gonna torch this shit for how garbage it's been and then they just kept giving the goods every next match would have something else just some little nugget that was perfect and then it culminates in the main event with the crowd just shitting on the match shitting on this whole ordeal and 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 not necessarily shitting on the performers in the ring but more or less shitting on the company and just kind of and and we said that this was going to possibly happen with these four-hour pay-per-views that you have to get people to s- remain interested the entire time, and you have to give people good stuff up into that fourth hour, or they're just going to let go. And this is what's happened now two straight pay-per-views where they've let go. And this one I think was 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 crazy too because it's not like you know we're not in some smarky you know it's not Chicago we we talked about last month it was Money in the Bank yeah that's Chicago that's going to be the reaction one way this is fucking Pittsburgh you know what I mean this isn't even like uh, one of those big sort of smarky towns and they are just ha- done and they're just over it and just bearing it so. Uh, just to answer your question before we kind of run down the show, I did find some redeeming factors in it, in the fact that it was so bad, it became kind of fun for me, so I enjoyed that aspect of it, and, and Brian Alvarez, you know, we, we, we poke fun at Brian all the time, for, for a multitude of reasons, and he deserves a lot of those as well, but he summed it up perfectly, at the end of the show, he said that was a WCW pay-per-view, that looked, it felt, it sounded like a 2000-2001 WCW pay-per-view, where just nothing makes sense, you're just wondering what the fuck is happening. No matches are really that good. And when it's over, your head's spinning of like, what the hell was that? Like, why do these people not understand anything? Like, what are these people doing? What what are they what are they thinking? And that's sort of what this show was when it was over. Is like there was nothing. Like, as you said, nothing good happened on this show. Nothing, no no story was, was progressed. No, nothing. Nothing. Not on even this show not happened. even just a some, value.
1: Not even just some good matches. I mean, at least just give me a couple good matches that I'll forget about in a month. Nothing. This was just. It, this is why I think it was. It was one of the worst shows ever that this company has put forward. Because you know you're gonna look back at this and it's just it's it, it, everything on it was either bad or just super boring. And and, and it's and you have three hours and forty minutes to give us something to sink our teeth into, and they gave us nothing. Um, so I mean. I don't know. Should we try? I can try my best to find positives in some of this stuff, no, but I don't no, think I can. Could. No, there's nothing.
0: There's nothing. What, what are you going to find? By we'll try. I'm willing to try, Joe. I'm willing to come here and try. But I, we can try with every single match. But I am positive we are not. We'll try. We'll, we'll do what we can. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be very hard. So let's. Okay. Well, right, well. Show, Sanity, well, Sanity vs. New Day was the best match on the show. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I did not watch the pre-show because they already were getting four hours of my time. so Which sucks because I would have loved to see this match because it sounds really good, but they already got four hours of my time and I'm not going back and Rich
1: will not it, so do I'm a sorry. pre-show. Uh, but that was the best match of the show. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Sin Cara was a nothing match. This is a guy who's been on TV twice, I think, since he's been called up. And, you know, most... Of, and and they, they haven't given... Look, he had a match with AJ Styles on SmackDown this week which was a nothing match. Two-star special. And look, I understand... WWE TV wrestling, you're not going to go out there. They're not shooting for four stars. It's it's a different deal. But Almas has done nothing on the main roster and it really it, you know, and that's not his fault. They just never put him on TV and when he does get on TV, he has a match with AJ Styles with a big fat commercial break in the middle and like 7 total minutes of time. And he, you know, they have this Sin Cara blow-off match in the pre-show of this pay-per-view. Again, 7 minutes and there's really nothing to it um so you know uh it's it's really amazing how they've totally cooled that guy off that was a red hot act remember us talking about that act with him and zelina vega and, yep. and how hot it was and remember
0: him having like a fucking surefire top five maybe match of the year contender like four months ago oh,
1: a match that may that that wasn't that people argued was the best match in company history
0: right, right.
1: And, and 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 it was a hot act and They've totally it's
0: was great. I think that's the more disappointing thing is not necessarily in the ring. Whatever. You you know, there's a certain level that when you come on new and do TV wrestling, you're going to kind of have to fit into a certain confines and not everybody, but more than that, the character, it's like, this is a perfect character. How do you mess this character up? Selena Vega is the talking piece. Like, Oh my God. How do you mess that part up? Like if anything, if the matches were mundane, the matches were two or three stars or whatever, I'd excuse that if the character, because there's no excuse for the character coming out there and just being nothing, or not even showing up at all. Why bring him up if you're not going to use him, and then why not use him to his fullest when you do bring him up? It's just one of these things, you know, Triple H can say all he wants about, oh, well, you know, nobody's brought up unless we have, you know, plans for him. Bullshit. There was no plan for it. Almas. He went for the Rumble, and, and now he's just kind of fucking around, doing nothing.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and it, it really is a shame. The main roster is where, you know, people, they just go to die. It it it's 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 sad, really. I mean, you don't, as a wrestling fan, you don't want to see these people get called up. You don't want to see them get called up, and I don't want to hear, ah, well, you're you don't you want to see them make money? What do I care if if Andrade Cian Almas makes money? As a fan? Why do I care about that as a fan? I mean, yeah, I, I, that's nice for him, and I I hope all of these people become fucking billionaire. What do I? Care? But at the same token, from from my entertainment. I don't want anyone to get called up. I don't want anybody ever to get called up that I like. Because this is what happens. They go into witness protection. You know? So, um, you know, and it's precisely why I don't want Daniel Bryan to resign. Same reason. I don't care about Daniel Bryan. Do you care about Daniel Bryan at all? No. Neither do I. And it, and it, and it's of no doing of Daniel Bryan. Why would, it's like they, they sucked all the life out of that return. And I I look I don't care about Daniel Bryan, uh, you know. SmackDown goes on my DVR, and most weeks I just delete it. You know, this week I, you know I you know I, I stopped and I, I watched the. Imagine that. Look at the
0: roster of SmackDown. Imagine yeah, and you I'm deleting it. Telling yourself in five years, hey, you know <laughs> Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe will be on the same and show. La- and, Umbra gonna, yeah. and, and and yeah, Raul right, Les yeah. right. And you're just gonna just. Straight up, just and most weeks I don't watch
1: a single second of it. Like I watched AJ Styles versus um, versus uh, almost, yeah, you know what I mean. But did I watch the rest of that shit? No. Why? Why would I? It's it's and and it's like you said. It's like we accept that television. It's it's got to be a different style and all that. But why does it have to be? Can someone explain that to me? Why does it have to be? Why can't the style be? They go out there and have great matches.
0: Right, 205 Live's finding a way to somehow
1: do yeah, it. on a week-in, week-out basis. If you want to sit here and tell me about, oh, well, then their body, well, how can they do it on 205 Live? Are they destroying their bodies on 205 Live? Right. They do it every NXT, single week. NXT,
0: they seem to be doing it pretty well, too.
1: Yeah, but people will make the argument, oh, well, you can't do it every week. Well, they're doing it every week on 205 Live, going out there and working hard, a hard style. And is it a hard style? I, I don't know. I, you know, I. It, it, but but why, you know, we're They've conditioned us to accept that, oh, people are on TV. It's okay if the matches aren't good. Why is that okay? This is the most loaded roster in wrestling history.
0: Why? And, and it wasn't, it's not always true, too. And that's the other part that's, I mean, we will we, we'll talk about it all the time. When one of the first few years that we did the show, 2013 was a year that stood out. And we said, at, I, I remember the exact quote was you and I saying, and specifically, I think you said this is that cherish what we're having right now because this is rare. This this year has been so good in terms of Monday Night Raw because that's when you had the Wyatts and the Shield and, and Daniel Bryan was having great stuff and yeah. CM Punk was having great matches and, and Lesnar was coming in a little bit more often and, and, and Cena was having good stuff. Like and, and you point blank said, this we are in a rare time right now where this is better than it's almost ever been. And and there's no reason for it to not be like it was again, because the roster is even better than it was those years. Like all those guys that I mentioned are all really good, but they've, I think increased the, the talent roster tenfold since that point, because there was those, you know, top five or six, seven guys or whatever we mentioned, but now it's so deep in terms of guys. Like you have Samoa Joe as like, like we just said, the fifth or sixth guy on SmackDown or whatever. That's Samoa Joe fucking Joe. Like, you know, that that's you have AJ Styles over there. You know, there's all these guys that are there. And there's no reason for it to not be good, but it's just not. It's just Sh- terrible, Shinsuke- mundane shit. Sh-
1: Shinsuke Nakamura is on SmackDown. Oh, right. like yeah, I, I forgot about him. And it's true. And we did preach that. And I did preach that. when And, and look, and that's the other thing. Maybe some of you are new. Uh, you know, We gain listeners all the time. But this idea that we are just negative towards WWE for the sake of it, is absolute bullshit if you know anything about the history of the show. Because like you said, that year, what did we say? We said that was the greatest in-ring year in the history of the company. We remember that one stretch of about 18 months where we did nothing but overtly praise every single pay-per-view? Do you remember that? Yep. Where it's like, oh, that's 13 in a row that were that were fucking awesome. It was like 18 months straight where they had these great pay at minimum, the pay-per-views were good to great. So We throw roses on this company when they deserve it. We throw roses on any company when they deserve it. Listen, geeks, that's the essence of this show. We're just honest, okay? When this company was on a roll, we we praised the fuck out of it. We called it the greatest in-ring year in history, the greatest pay-per-view year they ever had in history. We praised their pay-per-views up and down. Right now, it fucking stinks. I'm not going to come out here on this show or on Twitter or anywhere else and sugarcoat any of this it's shit and i'm gonna tell you it's shit and i'm gonna tell you why it's shit and if that's too negative for you you just don't like you don't want to hear me be honest do you think i want it to be bad we don't
0: right i love spending four hours a month watching shit yeah you know there's a thousand things i'd rather do than spend four hours of a summer i when this show started joe i was in a pool with my buddy we were just like hanging out drinking, and I said, oh, fuck, it's six. I gotta go. I, we gotta watch, you know, we gotta watch Extreme Rules. Like, you think I wanna fucking leave a, a pool on a beautiful Sunday to go sit down and watch utter shit for four hours? No, of course I don't.
1: This, this site and this show only exist because you were so excited about a WWE show. So I don't wanna hear this bullshit that we just bang on this company because it's our, our gimmick or it's what we do. That's nonsense. And the majority of people listening to this know that. Especially if they've been listening for years and years. If you've been listening for the last year, you may think, but look look what they're giving us. Rich, it wasn't an easy decision for me. Rich, last year, as you know, I watched every match from this company that made a piece of tape. Every match. Okay? Which was excessive. I don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. But do you know how hard it was for me this year to, to just cut the cord and say I cannot watch Monday? I cannot devote three hours and 20 minutes of my life to Monday Night Raw every week. And I cannot devote two hours of my life to SmackDown every week because it's so fucking bad that it puts me in a bad mood. I can use those five, hour, five and a half hours of my week in more enjoyable, productive ways. But it was still hard for me to do that because I still feel like I, I owe it to this show and I owe it to the site. And all of those things to keep up with it. But it's so fucking bad that I cannot stomach it to the point where I just no longer watch it anymore. I'll check in on a match that gets, that gets hyped or whatever the case may be. But I, Rich, I can't anymore. I know you were way smarter than me. And stopped way before I did. But that you know that, that's how bad it is. Really fucking bad. And they have the best roster they've ever had. And 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 it's like you just said and I said, it doesn't have to be this way, and we don't have to accept it. It doesn't have to be this way. TV matches don't have to be a certain style because it wasn't that long ago that they weren't. They were having great TV matches. Shit, in their own company, they're doing it on 205 Live on a week-in, week-out right, basis. That, and that's
0: one thing One thing I want not to, not to interrupt, but that's one thing, too, when, when people say, oh, you're just bagging on this company and bagging on this company, we, we throw... NXT and 205 Live, we both love. I watch 205 Live every single week. I know you t- talk about it every single... You talk about both shows every single week on, on, on the TV reviews, yeah. at, on, on patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Like, I watch NXT every single week. I mean, I, NXT and 205 Live, especially in, in the juxtapose juxtapos from this Extreme Rules show, is that you had that awesome Undisputed Era Mustache Mountain match uh, a few weeks ago on NXT. Like, you, there are, there's amazing stuff happening in this company. There's amazing, incredible matches, characters, stories angles that are happening in this own company so the idea that we're bagging on the whole oh we just we, we just we're anti-wb we're anti WWE. we come out here and say nxt sucks and 205 live sucks and, and and the cruiserweight classic was garbage and all like it's not a company-wide thing it's just this main, roster. main roster again we're gonna tell you what we think we can come up here and lie like but i'm never that we've never done that show i have never i swear to god i've never once come on the show and lie about anything I tell you what I feel. If I thought this pay per view rocked, I would have told you this pay per view rocked. If if Joe, if you thought this pay per view was good, we would say it. we don't appear to any gimmick. Like you'll go on your the team reviews are a great example. You'll go on a weekly basis where Impact, you know, you loved Impact, it was awesome, it was this, and next week you bury the fuck out of it. We bury wrestlers that DM us and go, oh man, I'm you know like, geez, you guys really gave it to us. But and we talked about this all the time. Gabe Sapolsky's a great example, a guy that loves and hates us, <laughs> hates us on a monthly basis, but understands and respects us because he goes, hey, those guys are going to give me the honest truth those guys are going to tell me what they think of this show and there's the wrestlers that follow us and listen to the show and and people that listen and go hey look you know for better or for worse they're going to bury me sometimes but you know maybe i deserve it or what, whatever it, it doesn't you know whether we hold that much weight or not but we people know that we're going to be honest with them and that's why i think so many people listen to the show and i think why so many people respect our opinions because we're, we're going to give you the, the truth we're not going to bullshit you we're not going to lie to you so if it upsets you that we hated extreme rules i i don't know what to tell you but all i have to you know one one way to sort of look at it is we, we did a, i did an exit poll uh, on, on our Twitter account and I put it in the review too so we could get a few other people and the review gets a lot of people from Google too the, the review gets a lot of new users because people search Extreme Rules Review so that's where we get a lot of like new traffic is from those WWE reviews and I, that's why I put this poll in there so we had 728 people vote on this Extreme Rules uh, exit poll I had thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle thumbs in the middle had 20% thumbs up had 4% and thumbs down had 76% Joe and I understand that it is voice wrestling followers and da 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 but no that is a large number of thumbs down and a very small number of thumbs up and one of the people that voted thumbs up told us oh my god i voted thumbs up sorry so like even one of those like even one of those four percent you know or whatever is, is is not even a truth so it's not just us you know what i mean this is an objectively bad show well,
1: okay <laughs> forgive voices of wrestling um you know it, since if you want to say that we're driving the narrative of that poll how about cage match okay Worldwide voters, mostly Germans, I suspect most of them aren't listening to Joe and Rich, okay? 3.58 out of 10. One of the 15 worst-scored WWE pay-per-views of all time. 3.58. So, get out of here with, you know, Joe and Rich influencing our own poll. Give me a break. This was a bad show. I don't know what else there is to say. And, And again, we just give it to you straight. You, you know, you're talking about these TV reviews I do every week and, 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 and me and you coming on here. So then, you know, a lot of times, then we have to deal with people in the offices of these companies. Rich, we sat here and buried Nick Aldous, NWA World Champion, for months. And then you got to go hang out with Lagana in Chicago. I mean, right. and, and, and deal with him. <laughs>
0: and, I, and I met Aldis. You know, I shook his hand or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, But it's fine. It is what you it know, is. You
1: it, know, it's like I bury Impact and then I got to deal with people in the Impact office like an hour later after they listen to it. You know, but they understand that we're just being honest. You know, so it it it's it, you know this this main roster is so fucking bad. This is like one of the lowest points of this company in the history of my fandom, and I don't think that's that's hyperbolic at all. Rich, can you think of many periods that were worse than this? Because I cannot. There have been periods yeah, where I'm... I wasn't. Is it where I was just as disconnected and not interested for sure? and you know but this is is one of the lowest periods i, I this may be it, it, and it's extra frustrating because of all of the talent they have that they're pissing right away.
0: and i think that's where I, that's that's where i would draw the line because there are years that i think like there there's I, f- I forget the exact one but it was like 2009 or something like that it was really terrible yes. or whatever but but it's on the sliding scale of, oh my God, look at the fucking talent roster you have. You signed, you basically have a blank check to sign anybody in the wrestling world. And, and really, for, lar- for the large part, have basically, you know, you signed most of the big leagues. I mean, there's obviously a few guys out there that, that are good, but like over the past five years, they've signed top talents from all different companies all across the world. Guys that were great wrestlers. They have Daniel Bryan, they have AJ Styles, they have Shinsuke Nakamura, they have, you know, a Brock Lesnar, a Samoa Joe, even like homegrown guys like a Roman Reigns are, are, are solid workers. Braun Strowman's a guy that I enjoy. Rusev is a great homegrown worker. Biggie Langston is, a, is another one that, that, that kind of rose from, from, you know, the WWE developmental and was an awesome wrestler. I mean, there's, there's so much out. Finn Balor, for God's sakes. You signed, you know, Prince Devitt. You know, you signed Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy from, from Impact. You signed, you know, the great women's wrestlers from all across the world. You got fucking Kana, you know what I mean? You got Asuka in there. Like, even on the women's side, they have great wrestlers. And then, so it's on that scale of, like, you have all of that. And I listed a quarter of the people that are good in this company. A quarter of the people that are good. And this is the shows that we get. Is, is is stuff like this, and that's where I think it changes. Is yeah, there's might be a worse year, maybe uh, two thousand nine or whatever, or, or two thousand six or whatever. These years, I don't, I don't know, off the top of my head, ninety five is a historically bad year that everybody sort of remembers as well. Nineteen ninety three had its ups and downs. Like these are years that are not great, but when you're talking about this sort of talent roster, they have never assembled a better group of wrestlers than they have right now, and there is no excuse for the shit that we get from it. No excuse it's, whatsoever. It,
1: it's not even that it's not enjoyable; it's outright unenjoyable. Like it makes me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed when I watch these shows. It annoys me how bad these shows are. So, um, you know, I guess we should go through it then and tell you why it was so fucking bad. Um, it opens up with uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds, Rich, who um, have just been a uh, tremendous set of Raw tag team. Now, how bad is this tag team? I mean, <laughs> God. they are so bad. And why was why was this company so hot? To acquire all the the broken Hardy universe shit, if they were just going to um, uh, utilize it in such a poor manner, uh, bury it on the lower mid card because Matt Hardy is a lower mid carder, um, and 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 they employ they employ Borash as well, by the way, who was part of the brains behind all of that, along with with uh, with Matt Hardy. So you have all of the principles involved in. In the original, uh, you know, Broken Universe, they went through all of these legal, uh, fucking hoops to acquire the rights to all of this from uh, from from the parent company of Impact Wrestling, and then they do absolutely nothing with it. And you know, and just don't you? What? Why did they want it so bad? Right.
0: They did, they did one found deletion, which Michael Cole buried on you know, right. and while introducing it, which means Vince hated it and thought it was shit. Right. So we told Michael Cole to bury the fuck out of this and then never show it again and that's exactly what they did. So um So why yeah, did they want I, uh... it? I don't
1: understand. Why invest in it? Why seek it out? You know, I thought this whole time they were keeping Matt Hardy on ice until they acquired that and he was going to get pushed to the moon. I I honestly thought that now you you know and the listeners know how I felt about that gimmick all along. I really felt it would bomb anyway because I really felt it was a a one week, it really had in, it really had any kind of interest for really one week only, and after that it was all diminishing returns. Uh, people didn't stick around Impact to follow it. We did a thousand shows on it. I, I think the Broken Hearty stuff is the most overrated shit going, but but they I, I didn't think they thought that because of how badly they wanted to acquire it, and then they acquire it, and it's almost like they realize you know they had this epiphany or listened to this show. And thought that was like, you know what, it is kind of shitty and overrated and isn't going to do much for us.
0: Yeah, well, I think one thing, and, and, and again, we'll talk about it when we talk about ROH and, uh, and New Japan and MSG, is, is sometimes, and this can be a shock to you, Joe, that sometimes this company just does stuff to make other companies feel like shit. Or, you know, other companies, they take you know top properties and then don't really have any purpose for it. They just take it because they... Want to be anti-competitive? They like, just want you to know, be, that's They shocking. just want you to. It's a shocking move from WWE. Like I, I you know what I mean. Like uh, you know, maybe like a Dusty Roads or you know, they go, like many times through history we could go over it. But like, yeah, a lot of times it's just they just take it to have it, and then when they get it, they go, "Ah, we don't really need this." I, I, and I have no doubt that Vince saw the fine deletion thing and said, God damn it. this sucks," and I don't want anything to do with it anymore. But I think a part of it too is they just wanted it because they didn't want Impact to have it. They're just kind of childish in that way.
1: So it's you can look at WWE main roster from two perspectives. Are they telling interesting, fun, compelling stories and you're just not getting the in-ring? Absolutely not. They tell horrendous stories <laughs> with zero continuity, zero logic, none of it makes sense. We'll get into some of that yeah, later. That, that's
0: what I really want to harp on a little bit with this show. Morton, us so even the bad matches, which you're going to get to here yeah. in a sec, but the, the continuity and the... Because even if you want to say, oh, whatever the matches. But man, these stories, I can't, this is, this is that show where I'm like, no, exactly. you can never use that again because this was so illogical from top to bottom.
1: Why was it WCW pay-per-view? So you have that. Maybe the shows are just, maybe you're not getting great, you know, uh, bell to bell matches, but they're fun to watch and they're funny. There's great stories and there's drama. We're not getting any of that. And we're not getting great matches either because you have this B team versus eater of worlds match. And Rich was horrible. It was an extended reverse chin lock from Bray Wyatt. Uh, You've got Matt Hardy, who, by the way, Matt Hardy is done, finished. He stinks. Matt Hardy is a bad pro wrestler at this stage of his life. His body's broken down. When's the last time Matt Hardy had a good match? I can tell you. It was the Ring of Honor show WrestleMania weekend, the same day they debuted back in WWF, where they had the ladder match against the Bucks. Now, if you want to hide Matt Hardy in fucking ladder matches, yeah, he can he can find ways to be good in a lot, but what is he, has he had a, a single match that broke two stars since that ladder match?
0: Oh man, you're really, yeah, I don't, he's uh, a bad, he's a bad no he's, and, Yeah, he's not great. And
1: Jeff is bad too. I just think they're physically, now Jeff, it may be a motivation. Because we all know he don't fucking care. Okay. But, but I feel like they're either both broken down or in Jeff's case, he doesn't give a shit because Jeff Hardy has been flat out bad, bad since he's been in this company. I mean, he's had bad matches and bad performances, and he's a fucking botch waiting to happen. Jeff Hardy's even worse than Matt. These guys have been a complete bomb from every aspect. Every aspect, the Hardys have been a bomb. Matt Hardy is done. He stinks, okay? We all know Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel stink. Bo Dallas has never been good, okay? Curtis Axel is your quintessential WWE factory wrestler. He is a creator wrestler. He is the template of a creator wrestler when you don't juice him up with anything. You don't add any fucking points to him. You don't add any. Mo- He's a chin. He's
0: 50s. He's 50s across He's the 50s board. 50s
1: across the board, and he does chin locks and body slams. Okay? He's not good. He's not good. Okay? The best guy in this match is Bray Wyatt. And, and what does that <laughs> not, tell you? Not good. <laughs> yeah. this, and, and, not good. And this was an awful match. This was like a yeah, one-star yeah. match. One, I think I at one and a half on this match. It was a below-average wrestling match. for these dopey tag team titles that no one cares about. And now you're putting them on jobbers. Their gimmick is that they're jobbers. Their gimmick is that they're the B team.
0: Yeah, their gimmick is that they suck. and that,
1: Their know, literal yeah, gimmick yeah. is that they stink. And they call themselves <laughs> the B team. And you put their tag team titles on them. This is what we're talking about. The stories don't even make, aren't even good and don't make sense. Right,
0: right, that story fucking sucks. And it's not like they, you know, it's one thing to have guys like move up the ladder a little bit. These guys, I mean, this, they're, they're a month ago just total jobbers. And they still are total jobbers. They just happen to, you know, win a tag title. A month ago, they were <laughs> like, lackeys. What does that say?
1: They were lackeys What does that say for, for your, your,
0: your, your division? What does that say for your tag team? It te- guys, yeah, I'll tell you yeah. what
1: it says. It tells you not to take it seriously because they they put it on a joke team who have bad matches. At least put them on, if Fandango wasn't hurt, at least put them on the fashion police. At least they're funny. And they're mildly entertaining. Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel bring nothing to the table. Zero. They bring nothing to the table. They they are non, they are two total non-entities who would not have jobs if their fathers were accountants. No IRS jokes. I should have picked another profession.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. I was wondering where you're going there. I was like,
1: did Kurt Henning ever do any? I was like, I'm trying if to If their fathers what do. were fucking bankers, again. I, I, that, that, well, we, God damn it. We, pick something. <laughs> fucking authors. Okay? There you go, yeah. If their fathers that. were fucking construction workers, they would. Rich, honestly, would they be in this company? They, they would have never me. sniffed this company. Both Dallas and Curtis Axel, they stink! They wouldn't have, they they wouldn't be here! They didn't have famous fathers that worked here! It it just drives you nuts, you know? At least give me a good, I oh my god, I can't take it, let's move on. Finn Balor. We're
0: one one match in, Uh, the Demon Finn Balor versus Constable Baron Corbin, Joe.
1: Again, just a nothing match, (laughs) and uh, this was probably like the third best match on the show! (laughs) Right? It was like a two and a half star match. Where, where's my thing? <laughs> it, yeah, I went two and a half. It was just a a mediocre, boring match. And 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 Balor can't even. He has to pin the Constable Baron Corbin with a fucking schoolboy. They can't even have him clean <laughs> They're protecting Baron Corbin, who they recognize. Oh my God. They fully recognize that Baron Corbin was going nowhere. So they cut his hair. They gave him the 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 typical WWF look. Look, he's you know, he's the thorn and Kurt Angle side. So he has to wrestle in the dress pants, too. You know, just like Corporate Kane. And, you know, he can't wrestle in gear. He's got he's to gotta wrestle in the gimmick as well. Okay? They, they recognize that he was going nowhere. They've totally repackaged him. Okay? This is even worse than before. And they're still protecting this man who has no top-of-the-card future. None. None. He's no good either but they still have to protect him. He can't lose to the coup de gras. No, he's got to lose to a fucking roll up.
0: <laughs> well, Joe, I don't know if you are uh, aware, but I don't know if you saw these two men stand next to each other. But the, the Constable Baron Corbin, he, he's tall and thus strong. And Finn Balor is less tall than the Constable Baron Corbin. And thus, um, by all, li- I mean, obviously you know this, that if you're taller, you're stronger, and, and you're better at wrestling than the shorter guy. And Finn Balor was shorter than the Constable Baron yes, Corbin.
1: Yes, so even if you that, wrestle.
0: That might be the, the demon Finn Balor. Is a little bit shorter, and then the Constable Baron Corbin is 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 taller. He's actually very tall, uh, compared to Finn Balor. So thus, you know, it's going to be a little tough. It's a mismatch from from the opening bell, unfortunately, because Baron Corbin is is, the Constable. Sorry, the Constable Baron Corbin is 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 tall, and Finn Balor is is less tall. So you got to remember that always.
1: Yeah, I mean, Baron Corbin is like the evil vampire leader, and like a vampire is like his gimmick, or he's (laughs) like the he's like Satan in human form. Running an evil corporation that you know Jason Statham has to stop him before he fucking ends the world, you know that like it's just it's just goofy, you know. And this is going nowhere either. So like Blade
0: Four, like a, yes. a direct to a direct to video Blade, <laughs> like, they, like correct. Because I'm sure they're still making. I'm not gonna look it up, but I'm positive they're still making like Blade movies or whatever, like you know Van Helsing Seven or yes. something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's definitely like a Blade Seven, and Baron Corbin is the star of it. It's like. You know, I, 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 it's not Wesley Snipes. It's some other. It's not even Omar Epps. It's just some like dollar store Wesley Snipes, Omar Epps ripoff guy, and and Baron Corbin is the villain in in, in Blade Seven Redemption or something like that or whatever the hell the title is. And you can only get it at video stores or at, like Walmart or whatever is the only place for this. Yeah,
1: he's you know, he's it's, the.
0: It's on your streaming sometimes, and you you just skip right over it. You're, you're, you're that's what
1: no, so he looks enough. like. He looks like the lead heel from a movie like that. <laughs> that's in the bargain <laughs> bin in Walmart. Yeah, Blade Seven. All right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I forgot this match was next.
0: Carmella. Oh, should we talk about the raw booking as well? So, no, we'll
1: get, we'll to, get that to that with the other, yeah. There's another match because oh my god. Okay, yeah, we'll get to that. All right.
0: It's uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It's Carmella, your uh, Women's Champion, versus Asuka. And James Elder was suspended above a shark cage, a gimmick that has not been done in I don't know four or five months. Been a little while since we've done the shark cage gimmick. Uh, the best part about this shark cage. Because the old Shark cage gimmick is, and we all know the trope of a Shark cage gimmick is, you know, the heel manager is, is 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 taken up to the top. He's He's got a fear of heights. He doesn't want to get in the cage or whatever. You know, so they put Ellsworth in the cage. He doesn't put up that much of a fight. The cage goes up, like, I don't know, like eight feet maybe. <laughs> like, even if he fell out of that cage, he's fine. Like, that's not a problem. Like, he's he's barely above. Asuka could jump and, and, and touch the cage or whatever. So he doesn't even go up that high. And then the best part is kind of the old, you know, cage trope is, you know, Towards the end of the match, the, the J.J. Dillon would throw down a uh, brass knucks or throw down, uh, you know, the the baby powder or whatever. So James Ellsworth does that. He throws a chain down. Joe, it happened like four seconds into the match. They ring the bell. They do one move, and Ellsworth just throws the chain down. <laughs> it's just like, come on, why do I care about any other part of this match? You've already that's the gimmick. The gimmick of the shark cage is, you know, when they need it. He'll and I guess I enjoy that because they just immediately say that is shit and needs James Ellsworth to help her from day one. But, like, the, the other thing, too, is, again, we talk about logic, is, is, is the logic, of, as well, is that Ellsworth is such a pain in the ass and so annoying, and he gets himself involved. So we're going to put him in a shark cage that has many openings all over the place, and we're going to put him, like, in the middle of the ring, so he can, he can influence all parts of the match from, from the moment the starts like page that was a bad move by page he really fucked up that one with the, uh, the the shark cage but uh i just found it funny within two seconds he just drops the chain it's just like all right fuck it like, yeah and here then- we go we're already into this part of the match and it's like not even the the error that they're even gonna have a match it's just four seconds in fuck it the chains down this match is over it's just a, a clusterfuck from then on and only won about five minutes and and of course carmella won because of course and ellsworth yeah whatever right? who cares
1: yeah and ellsworth is hanging upside down stuck. He
0: gets a key within four minutes. He gets a key. He's already got, or he picked a lock. I don't even now, know what you, the fuck now you're, was. Supposed he got out.
1: To, you're supposed to laugh at that, but no one's laughing. <laughs> nobody one cares. Then, yet. because he's so annoying and you're supposed to hate James Ellsworth, when Asuka's beating him up, you're, the cra- it's designed for the crowd to go wild. And nobody cares. No one cares that she's beating this man up, uh, hanging out of the cage. Um, they're laughing at that for the wrong reasons. This is supposed to be the big come up in spot. He costs her the title. She's beating him up. She finally got her hands on him. Nobody cares, Rich. Because why would you? And we're quickly realizing why they got rid of James Ellsworth in the first place. He's, he's useless. He adds nothing. No one cares about him. He doesn't generate hate. Fans do not hate James. Who hates James Ellsworth? And that's the, the, the position they're putting him in, but nobody hates him. And they know Carmella's bad. Which is why they book her matches the way that they do, and she's very thin-skinned. By the way, she is like,
0: oh yeah, it took her like twenty minutes to go onto Twitter and be like, "Wow, wow, wow!" All you keyboard warriors complaining. Yeah, she, uh, she needs to reel that in a little bit. She, she is uh... very
1: thin-skinned. She's very insecure, but she stinks. She. Here's the thing about Carmella, she shouldn't care that she stinks. She's getting pushed. She's making a lot of money. Fucking cares if she it, that she's not fucking Benami Toyota. Who cares? Why does she care about that? Do you see Grado going on Twitter being thin skinned about people saying that his matches stink? Do you think Grado gives a fuck that he's not Kenta Kobashi? No, he's on Impact Wrestling, he's carved out a nice career, you know, he, he headlined a major fucking stadium, uh, you know, for ICW a couple years ago. He's out there having fun and he's making money the best way he can in this business, and he doesn't, he's not. Like, why is Carmela so thin-skinned? Because y- she must genuinely think that she's good. Which is baffling, because she's horrible. She's legitimately terrible. She shouldn't be insecure about it, though. Whatever she's doing is obviously working. But she is very gotten to all of the time on social oh, media. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I think the the more the thing that I really looked at is you mentioned the, the Ellsworth spot where he's hanging by the cage and Asuka's kicking her and, and that's the spot that everyone's supposed to care about, but nobody cares about. I think more than anything, it shows you where Asuka's at as well now, where that should be a big moment for her, for, for people rooting behind Asuka and going, Yeah, she's finally getting her come up and it's on Ellsworth or whatever. Nobody gave a shit. They the damage they have done to Asuka in record time. Like this is this is an all-timer. This is the Hall of Fame of like yeah. I, I I can't even I can't even, we, we, we jokingly, a few months ago when she lost to Charlotte, just randomly out of nowhere, went, oh, geez, well, the, the streak's gone, but you know what, I, this is, the, what they have done in the last two, three months with her is monumental. It is, it is on another level, another pantheon of bear. I mean, they have killed this. And, and she's probably going to go to SummerSlam and, and beat Carmella, and nobody is going to give no a care.
1: Yeah, they've sucked all the
0: You can't so package that back in. You're never going to get that, that toothpaste back in the tube. And I, didn't mind, okay. and, and,
1: and I didn't mind her losing to Charlotte. I really didn't. It, it didn't bother me bother i know it bothered a lot of people didn't bother me charlotte charlotte's pushed she's a big star i get it but all this shit with carmella and ellsworth has just destroyed asuka destroyed her crowd reactions destroyed her aura more
0: than anything she looks like a fucking idiot Mm -hmm. in all the matches too like she doesn't look like she now looks like a fucking idiot the entire time and that's that's one thing that that you know, some people on Twitter that were, that were making this reference to, to Carmela and her, you know, her heel character work or whatever and saying, well, you know, heels need to be smarter, not better or whatever. And it, it's like, yeah, but you shouldn't make your baby faces look like a complete fucking idiot. And that's the problem is, is, is no, I don't think the heels should be smarter. I think sometimes the heels should be better. I think sometimes the heels need to find ways, you know, creative ways to, 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 to get out of a win or whatever. But in no way should you ever make your baby face look like a fucking idiot. And that's all that they have done is make Oscar look like a moron. One month is staring for no fucking reason for 10 minutes. At, at, at James Ellsworth. And in this match, she's got distracted by fucking everything. And there, there was little points where, you know, she, when, when Carmella tried to use the chain and she, had, she was one step ahead of her, or she tried to use the mace or whatever the hell it was, or the, the hairspray, and she was one step ahead of her there. But when it was all over, you know, Carmella got the win because Asuka was a fucking idiot again. And that's, that's damaging more than anything. More than the losses. I can accept the loss, but when you make that baby face look like an idiot, you're never, especially someone like Asuka, who's supposed to be this ass kicker, who's supposed to be on another level, when you make her look just like an idiot, I mean, you, you're not going to repair that damage ever. The,
1: the, the other thing, too, is you're telling the same story with the champion on both brands. They're the same kind of champion. So for this company that prides itself on telling stories, they're telling the same story on both brands, with Carmella and, and Alexa Bliss. So you know, they're not even creative. You know, all, all, the Women's Revolution, all these great, you know, women's wrestlers that they have, what are they doing? They're all buried um, underneath, you know, a couple of bullshit, chicken shit heel uh, shortcut champions on both brands. Do we have to tell the same story on both fucking shows? Don't understand it. So we've got Shinsuke Nakamura and Jeff Hardy. So Rich, how much do you pay for the WWE network?
0: Uh, I believe I pay nine ninety nine a month. Or no, did they increase it? I don't remember. If they nine ninety nine. I pay paid ninety paid since day one. I don't even remember what the hell I pay anymore. $9. So you're
1: paying nine ninety nine a month. How how many uh, how long was the Shinsuke Nakamura Jeff Hardy match that you paid nine ninety nine?
0: Uh, it was six seconds long, Joe. Okay.
1: Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura wrestled four days later on free TV. How much did do, people pay to watch their free TV match? Uh, probably zero. Yeah. How long did that match go? 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Isn't this backwards? With Joe?
0: It is a little backwards, but Joe, I was people were running down my fucking. I don't know if you followed this on 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 Sunday, so I said, "Well, what the fuck was that? Like that's an like six seconds on on a pay per view. What the hell are we doing here?" And I had people tripping over themselves to say, "Jeff Hardy's hurt. Like they need to protect him. He's he's hurt." And oh my god, well, no, he's it's it's a a, you know he shouldn't even be in this match. He's hurt. Well, a if he's hurt, he probably no he probably shouldn't be in this match. But you know, save his company in the in the world. You know, save his wrestling company in the world. Having a guy hurt you know out there in, in the ring or whatever. We'll get to that here in a sec, but um. Okay, then you gotta explain to me why he's at every live event because he was at every live event for the last few weeks, you know, having matches in every live event. And then you have to explain to me why after this match, when he was too too hurt to have a match, where the only thing he could do was take a low blow and fall—that's all he he would be able to do in this match—is is take a low blow and fall. Which I get—he's—he's—he's he's, he's seriously injured. Jeff Hardy barely barely able to walk, barely able to stand, seriously banged up, seriously hurt. But then, yeah, like two days later, has a 14 minute you know, TV match. <laughs> so it was that, was, that was great. That was an all time gotten to where people are, oh, you, oh my God, like that's, he's obviously hurt. That's why that match was happening. No, they were just giving you a fuck. You know, they were just yeah. telling you to go fuck yourself. Don't, don't, don't try to cover for them. They were just telling no, you to go fuck they're, yourself. They're Boy, give- go look at the live events. He's yeah. wrestling live events. I don't, I don't doubt that Jeff Hardy's banged up. I don't doubt that Jeff Hardy goes to every match he's ever had in the last 15 years, yeah. banged up in some form or fashion. But if he was so banged up that he couldn't walk, and he's not at the live events, and he's not having a 14 minute match two days later. But evidently, he did have both of those. So this match was just a giant fuck you to, to everybody who paid for the show.
1: Yeah, and uh, it once again, it's them doing things backwards. Uh, you know, it seems like with Shinsuke Nakamura, they do everything backwards. Where the six second fuck finish, where the heel punches the guy in the nuts and wins his title, should have been the TV match, and the and and they should want people to pay 9.99 to order the network. To see Jeff Hardy get his comeuppance. Am I the crazy one here? Or are they the crazy? Or is this not backwards? Just like the Nakamura AJ Styles WrestleMania thing should have been the TV angle. Setting up a WrestleMania match. Is it just me, Rich? Or or am I just on a different fucking...
0: <laughs> You're nuts. I don't know. We're nuts. Yeah, I don't know. We
1: don't... I, 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 I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... And here's the other thing, too. We talk about how great this roster is. Here's the other thing, though. There's a lot of dead weight on this. It, look, they, this is a deep roster, but I am going to run off a name. These, the following wrestlers all stink. And tell me if you disagree with any of them. And they Okay,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll break in.
1: Bo Dallas. Curtis Axel. Matt Hardy. Baron Corbin. Carmella. Jeff Hardy. um, Kane. 2018 came. Bobby Lashley. Uh, I'll lay off of Bliss. Nia Jax. See, all of those, (laughs) all of those, all of those wrestlers stink that I just named. What was that? Like eight wrestlers? And I and I was and I was kind. I was kind to a couple of them. Okay. I won't throw Alexa Bliss uh, in there, although I probably should. I won't throw WWE Nakamura in there, although you can make an argument. I'll leave Bray Wyatt out of it. Rich, there's a lot of dead weight on this, even though it's a deep roster and it's great. A lot of it is is on the network. I don't know if the main roster's so hot. It's pretty top heavy. There's a lot of great wrestlers in the company, but there's a lot of shitty wrestlers too. For a for a for, for a major league promotion, they have a lot of shitty fucking wrestlers. And I think that's what leads also to a lot of these bad shows. So that's that's another point I wanted to make, too. Um, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman in the cage. This was fine. But, and, and you know, it had the big bump. Again, WWE's safe and takes care of everybody. Kevin Owens gets thrown 30 feet off of objects every month. But they're the they're, they're super safe company. Um, this was fine, but you know, you take away that big Owens bump, what do we got here? It's kinda like remember the Owens Shane Mc was it Owens and Shane McMahon? No, it was Shane McMahon and Undertaker, right? Where that was the hell in a
0: cell from for me. Yeah, you, you take know, away the big bump and what
1: did you have? You know, it's like Nothing. same thing here, you take away the big bump, what do you have? You take away the big bump and money in the the, the money in the bank match last, last month, what do you have? And you're right, they, they they do so many of these now that none of them are gonna resonate like the Mankind bump, obviously. Shane McMahon one, I think, has stood the test of time. I think people remember remember that one. But you're right about a lot of these other ones. And Kevin Owens does it every month. I respect his balls. I, I respect you know his guts and his heart that he wants to go out here and do this. And and but this Braun Strowman thing where he's just you know this superhuman feats of strength and throwing Kevin Owens off of tall objects and uh you know uh, dragging porta potties around and ripping down stages. I mean I'm I I've been tired of it for months. I see some sentiment out there where other people are getting tired of it. Rich, they missed the window on Braun Strowman.
0: They didn't. They, it they was there four or five they months peaked. ago. It was there, and, and yeah, he he's become and and, and I was with uh, I was with the buddy who's who's a pretty casual fan as well. He's not too, He obviously doesn't listen to the show. He's not really hardcore and stuff. But one of the things that he told me was, and and it was exactly what you always say. We're watching this cage match, and he goes, "Well, if Braun's so strong, why doesn't he just lift the cage up? Why doesn't he just rip the walls off? Why doesn't he just you know rip Kevin Owens apart? Like if he can, he can move porta potties and." And carry ambulances and do all this sort of shit, then it doesn't make sense that he's selling like an elbow to the head. Like you can't have him then, you know, lift a stage, throw an ambulance and then like, you know, go into a ring and then take like a, you know, cross body and fall or, or, you know, go into a cage match and not rip the fucking doors off immediately. Or, you know, like what's he doing against humans? Like he should rip humans apart. He should just literally get in the ring with Kevin Owens and rip his face off and eat his arm. And like, you know, like, if he's this, but you can't do that. You can't have the juxtaposition of, of lifting ambulances and tearing stages and, and throwing porta potties and do all this sort of stuff. And then getting in the ring and having a normal wrestling yeah, and he's and selling, being a yeah. strong man. He's still being a strong man. He's still being a That's big, right. but it's like, you didn't have Andre the giant, you know, like, you know, tossing fucking stages at people. When he got in the ring, he was a big man. You couldn't knock him down. He was a, he was a monster, but it wasn't like he was superhuman when he got out of the ring. Ron Strowman is a superhuman, supernatural, being when he's outside the ring but when he gets in the ring yeah cross body we'll work. you know a kick to the sh- shin will will put him down or whatever that, that what like that and he brought that up and he's not at heart like right. he's not us like I, I would understand if i did that if i was like oh yeah, yeah here cause that's something i would complain about but this is a casual fan that just kind of watches and goes that's kind of weird how Owens can do you know how Strowman does all this but when he gets in a match he just sells and i'm like yeah it is kind
1: of weird isn't it look he doesn't get the reactions he used to get either they missed the window on no him. they I missed don't. the window on. I, they missed his peak and I think it's going to be, Braun is going to be another one of those stories where it's just someone where they they, 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 they missed their window. And yeah, it, it, this stuff has gone. If, it's, if, if they pulled these ridiculous stunts with Braun like once a year when he gets really angry, they'd have way more impact. There was that one run where every pay-per-view and every Raw, he was doing some kind of, you know, incredible feat. And that's the subtlety hammer at play and it was just they overdid it with the guy. And again, like you said, they you box yourself into a corner because then people are questioning, why don't they just rip off Kevin Owens' limbs and finish him off for good and kill him? If he's so fucking if he's if he's yeah, Was well, he rip the
0: cage door off and then just hit him? And like again, like the thing that, that it's as well as they wanted to show how strong he was by breaking, you know, the the the, the handcuffs or whatever and like Obviously, he was, he was fumbling around and trying to, you know, unlock it. Because it. there was one point where I think they showed him on camera where he had, like, the, the key in his, his mouth or whatever. But if, if it, it shouldn't take him more than a half a second to break those handcuffs if what you've shown on TV is, is, is to be believed. Correct. You know what I mean, like, he should get the handcuffs on and just immediately rip them off. Yeah. But he's like, oh,
1: oh no, oh, no. And it's like he just lifted an ambulance. And, and, and you know what? And you know what? Then go all the way with it. He should never sell. I agree. I'm fine with I,
0: that. I, if you want to have him just never fucking sell a move and just destroy everybody in two seconds because he is a monster among men, I am fine with that. But the monster among men sells, you know, kicks to the the back of his thigh, like what or are yeah, doing?
1: yeah, like reverse. He sits on a reverse chin lock. Why? <laughs> right. If he's like, why is he sitting? in a rever- It's it's. And I know this probably sounds like we're being real nitpicky, but this is what where the Braun the braun character has lost me. I'm not interested in. It. And I've been it's saying it, it for too. months. I, I mean, I, yes,
0: it lost Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh didn't give no, shit, he
1: doesn't know. get the reactions he used to get. And I don't know if it's for the reasons we're saying or just because people were tired of wanting him to get pushed and he didn't, which is probably more likely. That's the classic story in this company. You get tired of being behind someone and then the company isn't getting behind them. And they just stay in one spot. It's not like he's de pushed, but he doesn't move up. And and maybe the a combination of those things, they miss their window. So yeah. we got the SmackDown tag team titles, Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No. Now, we learned today that Kane legitimately had, what, a torn Achilles? What was the injury? Some sort
0: of Achilles injury. I don't know if it's officially been known as a a torn Achilles, some sort of Achilles
1: injury. So here's the thing. I'm not going to bury this as hard as I was going to because I thought that they were deliberately telling the same old fucking bullshit Daniel Bryan story. He's got to overcome the numbers game against two guys that are twice his size. And, and oh, my God, Daniel Bryan, he can't do it. He's a B-plus player. He's too small. It's two-on-one, blah, blah, blah. But they kind of had to do that because Kane injured himself or got injured or something happened with Kane either that day or the day before. So, Rich, I'm going to let him off the hook because uh, this obviously wasn't the original plan to have Daniel Bryan wrestle by himself. I was going to go nuts on this match. Uh, I was going to go absolutely bonkers at the idea that they did this same old tired story again. Uh, But the fact that Kane, look, they had to do something. Now, what was silly about it still was that Daniel Bryan is getting his ass kicked by the Bludgeon Brothers, hanging on by a thread. Kane comes limping out with his foot in a boot. And then Daniel Bryan promptly loses anyway (laughs) to zero reaction from the crowd. Why would you not have Kane lose? How? There's no way. There is no defense.
0: Zero, 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 zero defense for not having Kane take
1: that. Rich, there are two finishes here. In storyline, in kayfabe, in in anything. anything. In anything. There's no excuse. There's two viable finishes here. Kane comes out and Team Hell No makes the big comeback and wins the titles or Kane, valiantly fighting on one leg, takes the fall. Those are your only two options. The only option you cannot take here is Kane comes out and then Daniel Bryan loses anyway and he lost like 30 seconds later. Like there wasn't even a big fight. (laughs) How do they pick the one finish that you th- that is wrong that's the one there's three possible objectively wrong finishes. There, it,
0: it's objectively wrong too it's not even like opinion wrong it's it's wrong like it it, it makes no sense it's un it's indefensible that, that,
1: that. and then a to silence because people were just like this is not anything that we wanted we don't want to watch him lose we were behind him you know it, 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 like to silence no one cared. And I do think that this is where this show finally lost the fans, was that. Was Daniel Bryan losing that fall? This is where the Pittsburgh crowd finally threw the fucking towel. They threw their terrible towels, and they said, I, I can't with this show. Because from this point This forward, is me. This
0: is where I said I can't. See? And I said, there you this. go. This is, I'm fired up now. Let's go. Let's yeah.
1: Because nothing was the same beyond this point. But yeah. what a horrible fucking finish. Even excusing them the bad circumstance that they were put in uh, for putting the for putting together the match the way that they did. Uh,
0: yeah, and and you know credit uh, tons of credit to WWE too, the safe wrestling company for uh, you know having a man with a, an injured Achilles you know wrestle a match and then also just you know the injuries that are. Yes, this
1: is the match. safe so, wrestling. But, company. but you
0: know, <laughs> at least they didn't do a reverse Rana. I mean, God forbid you do a reverse Rana and be okay from it. I mean,
1: but that, rich, you know. they employ doctors. who fuck the right. female One that just lost a lawsuit. <laughs> for fucking female talent on top of that. Uh, you know, but but, Rich, they have a fancy padded ring and headgear for the rookies, Rich. Mm-hmm. It's a safe company. Yep. Safe mm-hmm. company. You know? Right.
0: Minutes after a man just took a fucking back bump inches away from a guardrail. <laughs> uh, yeah. At least they didn't do head drops except for the, you know, Kevin Owens' head dropping on the fucking
1: <laughs> crash pad. Uh, yeah, well, how about, how about Drew Gulak doing a backdrop driver taken straight out of all japan in 1992 to a jobber on 205 live this week. but this is the safe company where that stuff doesn't right. happen they take they, they care of yeah. it um well speaking
0: of this next match was like how about oh how God. about later
1: on in 205 live when akira tozawa did a released german suplex on leo Rush and dropped him right on his head there were two head drops straight out of fucking japan one done by a japanese man on 205 Live within 15 minutes of each other this week, uh, two days after Kevin Owens did another 30-foot drop through a table. But this is the safe wrestling company.
0: Right. Now, Sabres were not rattling, I don't believe. it. No,
1: I didn't, you know, <laughs> I, didn't see, I didn't see performative tweets about how dangerous uh, wrestling is after any of this shit this week. So, you know, it makes you wonder where the motivations lie. One thing you can never say about this show is we are intellectually consistent. You might think we're monsters because we don't care, and we just acknowledge that this shit is dangerous. Among men.
0: Monsters among men, Okay,
1: We just simply acknowledge that all of this shit is dangerous, and we know what we're watching, but we're intellectually consistent. I didn't see any of the performative bullshit this week when you got guys getting thrown on their heads on 205 Live twice within 15 minutes and Kevin Owens taking his monthly fucking stunt bump where if it's off by a foot, he's landing on his back uh, and missing the table. Or worse, if he's off by a couple, like less than a foot, and half of his back is hitting the table and the other half of his back is cracking an half. But this is the safe company. This is where pro wrestling is super safe. This is where Paige career ended on, uh, you know, uh, what, fucking six months ago in this company. This is where, you know, but this is the safe company. Careers don't end here. Dangerous things aren't done here. They've got, you know, a team of doctors. In Lost the fucking lawsuit, like you just said, for not taking (laughs) care – yeah, so I mean, you know. Literally just lost the lawsuit. (laughs) Just be intellectually consistent. That's all I ask. If you're going to stand on your soapbox, don't – you know, stand on it all the time. If you want to save the world, save the world. Save the whole world. Not just the Far East parts of the world. Save the whole world if you want to save the world. Okay, right? that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns.
0: This man, I was going to say, while, while we're talking about injuries, Bobby Lashley took some ridiculous bumps, and I think got knocked Loopy at one of the bumps too, because for whatever fucking reason, he decided that, hey, you know what? I've 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 been, things have just not, yeah, I haven't been clicking yet on WWE, so you know what I'm going to do? Roman Reigns, you can just, do a fucking back body drop. I'm going to land on my fucking shoulder on the outside. Like, he did back-to-back of those bumps. I'm like, what are you doing? He landed on the top of his head one time and on his shoulder the other time. I don't know what the fuck Bobby L- got into Bobby Lashley. Knowing him, he tried to do something else and fucked it up and just landed on his shoulder. I don't know what the fuck it was. But this was, I you know what? This is, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this might have been my second favorite match of the entire night. And it was not good. I did not like the match. But when it was all over, I said, ah, you know what? I was mildly entertained by this match. I thought they did an okay job, all things
1: considered. Bobby Lashley, for someone who's a great athlete, doesn't have great body control. Uh, no. You know, in terms of protecting his opponents or even body control within himself. Uh, you know, I'm not sure he was out there bumping like a lunatic on purpose like Kurt Henning in 1988. I think he just. <laughs>
0: no, I think not. he just
1: lacks body control. Uh, but yeah, this was one of the better matches on the show. It was long and it was boring. Um, but it was one of the better matches on the show. I would say this, the cage match, and probably, you know, Styles, Rusev, long and boring, but I guess it was okay. The main event, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, I see, the main event, I like the main event the best. But this would be one of the three contenders for second best match. with Styles, Rusev, and um, the cage match. And the cage match really was a nothing match until the
0: no, the cage match kind of stunk. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's there one big thing happened, but I don't know that No, you, happened. you're
1: right. So. so I've talked myself out of that one too. So it was either this or the Styles vs. match, which were both really just long, boring matches, honestly.
0: But, right, and, and we didn't we didn't quite get to that, but but one of the things too is it was it was a tropey WWE cage match too, where Owens just tried to run the entire yes. time, and Strawn just grabbed him by the you know belt loop every time, and it's like one of those things where half the match is just Owens running away and running away, and then the final spot was of course Owens trying to run away and Braun breaking the so to me it, it wasn't very good because of the confines of the cage, the cage just kind of kills it, especially WWE cage matches with the escape the cage where it's just like all that the guy wants to do is get out of there and run away, and and that kind of hurts it always.
1: Yeah, so um, you know Lashley gets dominated. I think the story they were trying to tell was Lashley just getting dominated. I mean, Roman was putting a real beating on him. And then Lashley kind of wins out of nowhere, clean with the spear. Um, which, okay! Alright! Maybe we're, we're going in a good booking direction here. Let's see what happens on Monday Night Raw. Ro- oh. Oh, okay. So
0: Bobby... This is, this is a big moment. Now, Joe, before you do that, I, I, I have not watched Raw, so I'm completely... But this is a huge moment. Roman Reigns, the big dog, Loses to Bobby Lashley clean in the middle clean of the in ring. The middle. That's a definitive. Yeah. That's a definitive win for Lashley. Lashley goes on Twitter and says, "I am now the big that's dog." Right. So there is a bigger dog in the yard, uh, and Roman What's Reigns this? is still big dog, but there is a bigger dog in the yard. It is Bobby Lashley. He is much bigger dog.
1: <laughs> lots of dogs. Um,
0: There's lots of dogs, and one of them is bigger than the other. And the one that's bigger right now is Bobby Lashley. My dog is now barking because of your fake
1: crawling. So that's right.
0: Nice job on that. But uh, so Bobby Lashley's a bigger dog than Roman Reigns, who is the big dog um but I have not watched Raw so don't spoil it for me but but like this is the this is huge like Bobby Lashley the clean win for all intents and purposes this is essentially I would say and they sort of alluded to it too that the winner of this match is going to get a shot at at Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam so Joe I'm ready to preview right now Brock Lesnar Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam I've not watched Raw I'll catch up eventually but I mean man clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring Bobby Lashley over Roman Reigns what a huge moment for Bobby Lashley's career and and really, the next step for SummerSlam. So, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah.
1: Next. So, we got all the winners from this show. We had Finn Balor, we had Bobby Lashley, who defeated the old big dog. and He's the new big dog. Yeah. With all these guys. Oh, yeah, he's a bigger dog. He's, he's a bigger a, he's dog. Bigger. Oh,
0: well, yeah, I guess. Is, is Roman Reigns not the big dog anymore? Did Bobby Lashley now say that he is the big dog? Are there two big dogs and one just happens to be bigger? Or is there just one big dog now? So,
1: well, listen, I'm, I'm you know, it's funny you ask that because Finn Balor <laughs> says, hey, look, I never lost a Universal title and I just beat Baron Corbin. I want a title shot. And I'm nodding in approval. This man has a good point. Bobby Lashley comes out. He says, I've had two goals when I came into this company. Goal number one was to beat Roman Reigns. And I did that. Goal number two is to beat Brock Lesnar. I deserve a shot at Brock Lesnar. I'm saying, hey.
0: This is awesome. So is this... Is this one of those cool angles where they start the show where just guys walk out and, and, and state their claims for yes. the, uh, the championship? And opportunity?
1: So all these men cool. who... That
0: sounds, that sounds that's awesome. That's
1: right, really yeah. So all these guys who clearly uh, have earned opportunities and they've got good arguments. But then Roman Reigns comes out, and I'm thinking, oh, what's Roman coming out for? Maybe he's going to concede defeat to Bobby Lashley and concede that... Yeah, he lost
0: in the middle of the ring to the new big guy. That's dog. right. So, yeah, it's and, over And, for and Roman, you may
1: so. also recall he's lost to... Brock Lesnar roughly 8,000 times over the last right. year or so. So of maybe course. he's going to say, hey, you know what? I concede the defeat. These gentlemen clearly deserve a shot more than me. No.
0: I am no longer the big dog. But dogs, no, Rich, definitely that's saying.
1: not what happened. Yeah. The voice of WWE, the man you're supposed to trust, Michael Cole, said, here comes the big dog. <laughs> and then Jonathan Coachman said, all of these men have great arguments to face uh, Brock Lesnar next. And Michael Cole said, Rich, but the big Dog might have the best argument. He really said. I like said how my that. dogs
0: are barking the entire time in the background. It, of this it
1: adds dog. to the. It, sa- it fits the. Sa- it fits the sa- yeah, it
0: does. It does. I hope, the, I hope this rabbit never leaves. So, yeah, your
1: voice of the company actually said the words, the big dog has the best argument. Based on what? <laughs> he lost the night before. is the big dog, to, the, to another man who's in the ring, and he lost to right. Brock a thousand times. So then what do they do? They just put the big dog in one of these three-way matches anyway. And what does that tell you? The $9.99 you just spent, the match you just watched the night before, meant absolutely fucking nothing. It meant nothing. Why did they even... Why did Lashley even beat Roman Reigns? What's the point? (laughs) It meant nothing.
0: But Joe good thing is they're always consistent though because you know somebody like a baron corbin obviously would still get the title shot because he's the constable baron corbin and he's he's you know he's probably earned that title shot so at least they're consistent
1: you know it's funny you say that rich the constable corbin asked kurt angle uh oh did he, he i did. didn't know he said okay, can i get involved kurt angle.
0: well i think you know if roman gets in i think the constable has a good well, you
1: know argument for it too no and kurt angle said no constable oh. said why and kurt says because i don't think he deserve it and Constable Corbett said, well, you think Finn Balor deserves it? Kurt Angle said, yeah, Finn Balor beat you last night. <laughs> what are we doing?
0: But the constable is not the big dog,
1: though. I think that's what you're forgetting. It's just <laughs> what <are we> doing? <laughs> this company defies their own logic minutes later on a consistent basis. Either pretend that these results matter or pretend that they don't. The problem, though, rich, is they just do whatever's convenient in the moment, which again, then why would I invest in it? right? because it, it, it either it's not going to matter. you're <laughs> still going to do whatever the fuck you want. all ro-
0: right right the way to watch it is just turn your brain off every 10 minutes, every yes. five minutes, every two minutes you just every every new segment is a new which world, is, a which new is universe why I call it
1: goldfish booking. You have to have the memory of a fucking goldfish to even attempt to enjoy this company. Here's where Baron Corbin went wrong. You know why he wasn't involved? You know why he wasn't one of the six men angling for a title shot?
0: He didn't come out didn't, at the beginning. He
1: didn't come out in the beginning to his music. Otherwise, he, if he did, he would have been in one of the matches. The Constable, To be fair, we, we rag
0: on New Japan, too, for that as well. We like, do. Like, Hiroki Goto just comes out. We, we always wonder what it looks like backstage if there's just like a mad rush to the curtain and like Goto got it. And it's like, God damn it, Godo got it. All right, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, we rag on them for that, too. So we're, we're nothing if not fair.
1: We rag on everyone for that. This is the fairest show there is. No one's more fair than we are.
0: Oh, you know what I'm really excited about? So, obviously, Braun Strowman lost the steel cage match, but he is still, you know, one of the bigger, he's a monster among men, one of the bigger number one contenders, I I would say, even though he lost the match to Owens. But for all intents and purposes, he lost the match to Owens only because he tossed Owens off the top. I mean, he really showed his dominance over Kevin Owens, put him in the rear view. So I imagine uh, Braun Strowman is, is, you know, I said I I did not watch Raw. So I imagine Braun Strowman is now uh, ready for his title shot at SummerSlam at some point as well. Mr. Monster in the Bank, I should say. Who did he beat in the triple threat, Joe?
1: I'm checking the results.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, because I did not watch. So one minute, Mr. Monster in the bank. I'm sure
1: one minute, sir. Well, That's weird. Yeah,
0: you would think he would want a title shot. So
1: you think? You would. I mean, think he's already got the, he... the money in the bank,
0: but I think you know he can add a, a double value, added value, like we did for Dollar Shave Club you would... earlier. Like
1: you would think he's just give me a title
0: shot now, and then I'll use this other thing later.
1: Well, he's just a monster. He could just cash in and yeah. literally kill Brock Lesnar. So. Mm-hmm. Although he lost to Brock Lesnar, so. mm-hmm. selling yeah. fucking wrestling process. Yeah. Um, Alexa Bliss mm-hmm. defeats Nia Jax, and um, Rich, I have checks, notes, <laughs> um, nothing to say. I mean, Ronda Rousey.
0: I I just move on. Seriously, move on. I have no. I I li- I'm sitting here staring at this match, going, oh, okay, what's what am I? What's my take? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And I have been staring at this match for the last forty minutes.
1: Um, Ronda hopped the rail. I, you know. So, yes. There you go. Yeah. That's really the only takeaway here. Nia Jax is not good. She no. Not good. I, this match is
0: pretty extreme, though. I mean, it was an extreme rules match, and my god, they got very. Golly, was this extreme. That's the
1: other thing, you know, extreme rules, and there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches out of what eleven?
0: Uh, technically twelve, I think. Ten. Oh, no, that's in counting the pre-show. That's counting the pre-show.
1: Seven matches out of ten that had no stipulation whatsoever. Isn't the gimmick that every match is extreme?
0: Yeah, which is funny, too, because, like, most of their normal pay-per-views are, have more gimmick. Yes. Actually.
1: So this is actually, like, yes.
0: more not extreme than usual. Like, more tame than usual. Correct. You know, like, like, more mundane than usual rules. They should
1: have called shows. this less I mean, this extreme is, this is rules or something.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> less than normal extreme rules. Yeah. Actually, pretty normal rules.
1: (laughs) Pretty normal rules. Yeah, that's perfect. This was the pretty normal rules show. Um, Mostly normal rules is what they should call this uh, moving forward. AJ Styles in a mostly normal rules match um, defeats Rusev in a long, perfunctory, perfectly acceptable, okay, three-star match, which leads me to a point, which it should have been much better, by the way, very disappointing considering who was involved rich um can you give me five uh really like very good or better recent vintage AJ Styles matches can you do that
0: <sighs> yes wait no I is can't. AJ no, Styles I mean... the
1: most overrated wrestler in the world I know that's a heavy he's... statement
0: no it is and we're we're nothing if not AJ Styles, Love fans, AJ Styles. he's one of my fair wrestlers in the world but it's it's lean it's lean right now it the the I don't know if the age is catching up. I don't know if it's, there's a Nakamura thing going on where he realizes he doesn't have to get to that next level. I don't know. I mean, I and I did not like most of the There's, you know, the one Nakamura match, obviously, this year um, that I enjoyed. The, that's, um, I don't which one it was. I think the Money in the Bank one I enjoyed a little bit. I did not like the WrestleMania one all that much. I know some people did. Um, other than that, this year, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at his output right now. There is nothing else this year that stands out to me. For he, and and
1: people will just, compl- like, Compulsively bring him up when talking about great wrestlers. And look, yeah. I do. And look, I do think he's a great wrestler.
0: Oh, the track record is there. I mean, this guy's okay. got ten not plus even just, years of of not even just dominant of
1: great. Stuff. Sure, but not even just track record. I think he's a great wrestler. I think like mechanically, yeah. he's a great wrestler. And um, but in terms of output, his output is so overrated. His output is overrated. He may not be overrated, but his output. He might have the most overrated output in all of wrestling. This is a guy who does not have great matches anymore. And and look, that may not be all on him, a lot of it. Look, how can you have great matches with Shinsuke Nakamura when every match is built around punching each other in the balls? Now, right. is that completely letting them off the hook? No, it's not. And I really liked the greatest Royal Rumble match, to be fair. I did really like that one. The others, mixed bag, nothing really. Yeah, I, t- I
0: take back my money in the bank. I forgot that that was the last man standing match. I did not like that one all that much. There was, maybe it was back. I'd have to go back. I think back. There was one of them that I really, really mine, enjoyed. I mine was Greatest was Royal Rumble.
1: Exactly. I thought it was heated, and they did the double count out or whatever. I, I like that one. But none of them, uh, you know, WrestleMania for sure was a, was a giant wet fart. But AJ Styles, he does not have a resume that matches the reputation that for some reason he still has. There's wrestlers who will have... Four or five great matches in one week in a fucking G one. This guy will not have five great matches all year. I, I'm sorry, he no longer belongs in the conversation among the top wrestlers in the world. If you're if you're judging that by output, he just doesn't. I don't. I wouldn't have him in my top fifty this year. Would you have AJ Styles in your top fifty this year?
0: No, I don't. I don't think, so. think I, I mean, could. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm looking at the output right now, and there's just not a lot. I mean, there was a lot in 2017 where he had some really really good stuff. You know. But really, I mean, even if you look at the 2017 output, there's you know there's a a Finn Balor match that I really enjoyed. I remember a Brock Lesnar match I really enjoyed. A few things with Kevin Owens that were o- okay. Wait, when but, was
1: that Brock yeah. match? That was last year, wasn't
0: it? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying last year. No, last year. year. Okay. And so that, that's what what's the thing is like I, I'm as I'm looking this up as I'm sort of looking back and saying, okay, well you know last year the output last year was was fine, but it wasn't amazing oh, this, I mean, oh yeah stuff. this
1: goes back to last year now he had a right good and that's, year last and that's year, sort of where i'm because he did not it, have a great year last year like some people claim. no
0: no it's a lot of rep stuff that he, that he's really working 2017 or uh, 2016 i should say was awesome yes it was a lot of really good stuff in 2016 yeah. great matches with roman reigns i was there live for a few of those i had some good ones against ambrose few against ziggler the cena matches i mean obviously those were always pretty good but yeah i'm looking at 2017 and i'm finding some you know shay mcmahon match i enjoyed but you know I was the best match in the wrestlemania there's a but there's not a lot. And then you got 2018, and there's just not much there either. So, yeah, it's really about time maybe we start having that conversation that, like, this guy should be and, – and especially this run. Like, this is what you're looking for. of Like, he's got this title. He's, he's an established guy in this company. Now's the time for him to go out there and just kick some ass, and it's not happening. You can and chalk it's up – time we have that conversation. It
1: is. And you can chalk up some of it to booking. You can chalk up some of it to house style. But is there any reason that a 15-minute match with Rusev, second from the top on a major pay-per-view, Shouldn't have been four stars. Is there any reason this wasn't bogged down and gimmicky? And it they had they went out there and had a fifteen minute match and it just didn't deliver. I'm sorry, that one's on him. You can't blame, uh, you know the the agents on this one. You can't you can't blame the house style on this one. You can't blame oh it, you know a, a Dick Punch and on this one. This was on AJ Styles. He had a chance here to just straight up deliver and he didn't. This was on a platter. No gimmicks, no restrictions, no silly storyline. Just go out there and have a 15-minute match with another guy who's really good. And they go out there and they have a three-star match. A long, boring, perfunctory, well-worked, I guess, three-star match. There were a couple shaky shaky spots here. But I'll give them... Yeah, But, 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 I mean, come on. That's on Styles. He's coasting on rep now when it comes to people putting him over. He shouldn't sniff. He shouldn't sniff any awards this year unless he has no. a monster final five months or whatever we got left in the year.
0: And I, I enjoyed for what it's worth. I enjoyed what they were trying to tell in this match. I enjoyed the story. It was just kind of boring. Like you said, it was like, it's one of those matches where it's done and you're like, ah, oh, that was a nice, good pro wrestling match. But like, no, it's Rusev and AJ Styles. Like, I wanted this thing to blow my doors off yeah. and it just was fine. It was okay. And that's it. And that's, to me, when I see AJ and Rusev, it's not. And I thought Rusev was great in this match. I thought he sold the hell out of that leg, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm going, all right, when are we going to get this? And then it was just over, and it was just like, man. like yeah. They had, they left so much in the tank in this match. I thought there was so much more potential for this, but it just didn't. And the crowd, uh, t- to be fair, again, it was like a four-hour show. They were they were later in the show. Nobody gave a shit either, and I think that hurt the match as well. No. Nobody gave a fuck.
1: And then it. three days later, he has a two-star match with Ole Miss. You want to blame the commercial break. You want to blame SmackDown structure. You want to blame... Almas isn't really pushed right now. Fine, but you you can't let him off the hook for this Rusev match. You can't do it. You just can't. And the main event: Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins in the uh, thirty man, thirty minute Ironman match. Rich, uh, to me, this was two matches in one. Everything before the big spot with Drew McIntyre, where he got kicked out of the match, was comedy. Just pure unintentional comedy. Uh, you, you know, the the the, the uh, just. Uh, and then the rapid fire eliminations after that, it's just it was just all to me just uh, just silly. It was just silly. I'm sitting there shaking my head, going, "This is just goofy." Um, and I know you were hating it with these like, oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah, no,
0: do like a roll up yeah. and like, and, and I understand if you want to tell the story that they're trying to save it for the you know the, the but it, it, it's not like I, I get that with like you know if you have an example of of and we'll talk about the G one here in a little bit like a Minoru Suzuki versus Roshan. Minoru Suzuki has Tanahashi in like a leg lock for five minutes. I get where. If you're, if you're doing an Iron Man match, it makes sense to tap. It makes sense to get out of there and say, okay, look, i got to play the long game here, but I'm not going to let it go that you get rolled up in a schoolboy and go, well, fuck, I'm done. That's it for me. Like, I guess I'm going to pin. pinned. And yeah, when you have rapid-fire things, that's why I hate Iron Man matches. When you have rapid-fire finishes, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. Why in this particular match does a schoolboy and Dolph Ziggler and then a schoolboy would never in a fucking million years ever finish him in any in other four match? In so four minutes. That, that,
1: in four minutes. Right. You would never have a four-minute finish. In this I took match. a pissed and came
0: back, and I was like, "What the fuck?" It was one zero. Like, what the hell happened? And my did... buddy's like, "Ah, schoolboy or something." I was
1: like, "What? How did that happen?" Yeah, like... it was. It was. A, it was a buckle bomb and then a schoolboy four and a half minutes <laughs> right. into the match, and that's sh- no, that's why you don't like that. <laughs> that's why you don't like elimination matches when they just you know a scoop slam leads to a fall and it never would <laughs> right. otherwise. What? So anyway, and then I thought the last third of the match was really good. Um,
0: Joe, we got to talk about this though. First off, again, like you talk about stories and everything. Yeah. The, the story that you cannot tell or probably not tell is that the babyface goes up 3 0 and then fucking chokes, right? Terrible story.
1: Now, <laughs> you can't tell that story. No, do... Now, to be fair, what they're telling you is Dolph would have just gotten, he completely would have wiped the table with Dolph had McIntyre not come in, interfered, and, and led to Dolph winning like five straight balls. But still, I think that's a dopey story to tell. I, I'm not afraid right, of that. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's... Like, uh, he looks like an idiot again. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's uh, whatever.
1: And, and you know and then and then the the last third of the match I'm like okay this is good stuff this is good action they're doing some creative things and then McIntyre's hiding under the ring it's like we talked about last week this had the potential to be really good but we knew Drew McIntyre's involvement was going to uh it was going to be telling stories time and it was going to drag the match down that's exactly what happened I thought this was the best match on the show but I thought it was like a 3 and a quarter star match it was just too much bullshit too many rapid fire um Pins early on, uh, you know the, the Rich Page specials, and um, honestly, this should have been like the fifth best match on a show like this, and it ended up being the best match. And uh, Ziggler retains the title. Um, what did you think of this?
0: Yeah, I, I hated it for the exact reasons that you're saying. Like, I, I don't like the rapid fire falls. I don't like that. I, I hate. Rollins going up 3-0 and then just interference making him lose. So I, I hated all of it and I thought the only redeeming factor was the crowd doing what they did. And I think this is, this is funny because there was a lot of people that got very upset about this crowd and we get the the usual like again, this has become a week, uh, you know, kind of a monthly occurrence which might want to, you know, may, might raise a red flag when every single month crowds now shit on shows or, or shit on matches and all this and we, we get, you know, explained to about how the fans are, are, are disrespecting the guys in the ring and disrespecting that and doing all this and 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 we have again like you said we're intellectually consistent we've always said if you buy a ticket you are you are eligible to do whatever you want at the show within means of course we're not saying you got to you know punch kids and 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 and, and do all the you know like within means you're you're eligible to to say what you want for the most part as long as it's not crude or whatever you're allowed to kind of do whatever you want but again it's not like there's like three bad actors that are that are being assholes and ruining shit this is an entire crowd deciding this is kind of boring we're just going to have fun our, on our own way we've been here for four fucking hours we're kind of bored we're going to have our own little fun here I think that's that should in, instead of doing again saber rattling and going oh these fans and oh my god fans everywhere and all oh, if this is a monthly occurrence there's maybe a bigger issue at heart maybe there's a bigger disconnect between the, what's going on in the ring and what's being presented to the fans and the fans I don't I don't believe and there were people that will believe this that fans go there to say aha I cannot wait to shit on this or aha I can't wait to go to the show and just make an ass of myself and I can't wait to go and do it. if this match was kick ass and they were dominating and they weren't in headlocks and this was a a kick-ass three-hour show, there is no way they're counting down 10 no. and, and and making their own buzzer sounds. There's no way they're chanting for beach balls, you know, in last month with Roman Reigns. There is no way that shit happens if the shows are kick-ass and the matches are kick-ass and the creatives kick-ass. There is no—you will never in a million years convince me that people go there to do that. Do they then now do that when it's been four hours and they've gotten shit? They've gotten served a platter of shit and then you have this match, which is not really that great either? Absolutely. So, I like. It, 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 again, like if this is a monthly occurrence If this happens as often as it does There really needs to maybe be a little bit more Than just people lecturing the fans About how they should act when they go to shows They are in no obligation to act any anyway There's no rule book of This is how you act when you go to a wrestling show
1: No, you, you nailed it And if the stipulation and the feud Were over They wouldn't have been behaving that way. That's on the company for not getting the stipulation over And not getting this feud over They didn't care about this man and their behavior showed why. The work was fine. Um, they just didn't, you know, the company didn't get it. They, they didn't do their job. The booking did not get any of this. over. Nobody was waiting on the edge of their seat for this match. They to. And it didn't right. help that the rest of the show stunk and took the fans out of it.
0: Right. And Rollins is a guy who's super over, yeah. too. So I, I have no doubt in my mind that if this show was kick-ass, Rollins would be in this spot where, like, people would be going nuts for it. But it was like, again, you get served for and, and, again, like, we, I, I had buddies that went to Money in the Bank last month. People show up at these arenas 5 p.m. Central is when they wanted people to show up 5 p.m. Central. And you're talking at this point now, what is it? 10, you know, you're, you're approaching 10. They've been in that arena for so fucking long. I mean, I, if it was me and I didn't care, I would just leave. You know, there's some people that want to stick it out or whatever. I get it, you know, sunk cost. I, Hey, I bought this ticket. I'm gonna stick through the entire show, but, Hi buddies, they, they got to the arena at 5 p.m. and they didn't get out of the parking lot of the of the All State Arena until eleven thirty. Can you imagine that night?
1: Yeah, and if it's and if and if you're there that long and it's not good, it you're you're front and center in your in your mind is gonna be how tired you are. Because they're not distracting you from how long you've been there and how tired you are with a great show. We say it all the time. Sometimes we see these shows that are over four hours long, but because there were great shows, it feels like they're flying by. But then when you have shows that are over four hours long where a lot of it is shit, it feels like you're there for fucking ten hours. All of these, this is two in a row now. We're not off to a good start with these mixed brand pay-per-views that are four hours.
0: No, no, these four hours are a disaster. This and is you call it, you knew it
1: well. would be. You you were out there front and center screaming about it that they were not going to be. That's Extreme Rules. It was a fucking, it was dog shit. Um, it was boring, it was bad, the booking was horrendous, the booking didn't make sense the next couple of nights. Uh, with the Follow up to this. And um, this main roster is is atrocious right now. It is it is one of the lowest points that I've seen as a fan. And I've been watching this stuff since like 1984. I've been watching this company um, in some form or fashion. And this is this is one of the low points ever uh, in the history of this company in terms of are they entertaining me? It's just awful. It's really fucking bad. And it's not overdoing it. It's not overstating it. It's fucking horrendous right now.
0: All right, so uh, we got some New Japan stuff to get into, some stuff that's much more enjoyable. But uh, before that, Joe, do you want to let people know about Patreon? And if, or, uh, of course, if people don't know that we are on Patreon,
1: uh, you're going to tell them all about it right now. Rich, are you a Voices of Wrestling subscriber? I am. Did you even read the copy? You're supposed to say no. Oh, Let's no, I'm Let's try this again. No, <coughs> why,
0: why would I? Why would I? You give me this free show every single week. Why the hell would I be a subscriber?
1: You <coughs> oh. Ready? Rich, are you a Voices of Wrestling subscriber? No. Why the hell not? We offer the most affordable, biggest bang for your buck, premium subscription content in the industry. Tiers start at only $2, which is basically free. I mean, what is $2 a month? And then for just $5 per month, you will gain access to our entire archive and and everything it is that we do, which includes the overrun, our flagship extension that guarantees that we will never run out of time again. Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. Arguably our most popular bonus show where we get a chance to stretch our legs, get away from talking about current events, step back in time, and break down wrestling from the past. Instant Reaction, which airs live on YouTube, where you get our freshest takes on major shows. Subscriber-only Anything Goes Q&A mailbags. Twice-weekly TV reviews. Every Monday and Thursday, Joe, that's me, breaks down the latest in TV wrestling. Special editions of Bouncing Around Japan and Bouncing Around the Indies. Exclusive subscriber-only interviews with the biggest names from inside the industry. Classic content dusted off from our pre-audio boom archives, most of which is very embarrassing. Rich's squashing buttons live video game gimmick. And eventually, one of these days, at some point, the return of Lanza Unfiltered, the greatest three-episode run in podcasting history. Right now, until the end of the G1, We've also got daily G1 audio updates every day with full breakdowns and analysis of every single show. So what are you waiting for? If you listen to this show every week, there's no reason not to subscribe. Go to patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, find the tier that works best for you, and subscribe today. All right, let's get to this
0: G1 now, Joe. So, um... I don't know how exactly you want to do this. I think one thing that we did last year I think worked pretty well is kind of go over the the, the blocks and go over each wrestler because I think it's excruciating to go like match by match. And I know we've only had three nights, but I think it probably worked better. Just talk about the output of these people so far, the things that we've sort of had, Uh, you know, list the names, talk about what what points they're at, where they're at in the block, and then a little bit of of their tournament so far. Are you all right with that?
1: If you want detailed breakdowns of every single match, subscribe to Patreon because we do that every single day. We break down every match. We watch the entire show too. Rich has to watch the undercard on Saturday. Uh, I know he doesn't. Oh, want to do. do I? Yes, you do. Oh, obviously, no. obviously, Creech. Yeah, no, I
0: know you do. It, you but I thought you gave me any a special exemption. Shows. No, I've listened, but I, I thought I would get a special exemption. From Part
1: of the format, the fucking We watch the undercard, so yeah. you don't have to. So Rich has to watch Thanks it, and he has to tell you guys uh, what what was going on on the undercard. But anyway, um, if you want full breakdowns of all the matches, uh, we do have it on the subscriber side. Um, we also i i keep a running list. of Top five matches in the tournament, which I update after every show. Uh, star ratings for every single tournament match. So all of that is on the subscribe. Spoiler free results
0: too, which I think is a pretty cool thing too. Where you, you get spoiler free. And I shouldn't say spoiler free results because that's a, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Uh, spoiler free recommendations yes. though. At, atop every show. Hey, here are the matches that are awesome and and a little bit, which I think is a, is a, is a great benefit, too, because people are catching up, and as the grind becomes, especially with these four days, there's going to be, you know, these four days in a row, you're going to have to pick and choose, man. I mean, you can maybe watch every single thing if you want, but you're going to get to a point where you're going to start having to pick and choose, and I think that is always a cool thing to do, that the spoiler-free um, um, discussions.
1: Yep, first few minutes of the show, I tell you what's must-watch, what's worth a watch, and what is totally skippable. And then, uh, if you get out of there at that point, I warn you when the spoilers are coming, and then you can check out go watch the matches and then come back and listen to my analysis if you like. So um, you can go check that out if you want detailed breakdowns of every match. Uh, So, yeah, let's take a look. We're three days in. um, We got four straight days coming up. A block, Mike Elgin, Togi Makabe, and Jay White are on top with four points. Let's talk about Jay White because I think we would both agree Elgin and Makabe are probably going to fade. Would you agree with that? I would hope
0: so. I hope that Makabe isn't on a miracle run or else we're going to look like real assholes for making fun of that guy who voted for Makabe last week uh, to win the whole block. So, yeah, I'm hoping he fades. But you know what? Part of me
1: kind of wants the Makabe miracle run, but it's not happening for sure. But here's the th- and with O'Gan as well. But here's the thing. Jay White has four points, and he already beat Tanahashi and which means right. he got past the two big stumbling blocks already. So when you really look at the rest of this block in block A, There's really only one other person in the block who I would say is slotted above him or at his level, and that would be Minoru Suzuki, which means any other match that he loses, Rich, would qualify as an upset, which means he is in perfect position to not only be in the mix at the end, but advance out of the block because he has. Because now Okada and Tanahashi, in order to advance, they have to have more points than Jay White because Jay White owns the tiebreaker over both of those men and he doesn't have a lot of losses in front of him. Rich, Jay White can win this block.
0: You can, and that was one of the things that you really hit at home, you know, in the be- months ago, or when, when we were doing, you know, kind of the early G1 previews, that looking at Jay White and looking at that block, and, and yeah, it's, it's kind of come to form so far, and like you're saying, it's going to be tricky now. I mean, now that you already got those two big wins against two other guys that are really competing in that block, he, you know, maybe he'll, some weird tiebreaker-wise, he won't win it, and he'll get upset by some guy, but like it, it you know, right now, after only a few days, he definitely uh, is in line to be that because he is only one of the few guys that, that are really going to be a contenders uh, for this block. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, a lot of people picked him, and, and and maybe rightfully so. I mean, there's a very, very good chance. Now, I I knew the Okada win. That one I definitely predicted. The Tanashi win caught me by a little surprise because that's a huge tiebreaker that he picked up right there. So, yeah, I mean, he's in a, in, in a great spot. And, yeah, when you look at that top three, between Elgin and Makabe and, and and him, I mean that's he's definitely the one that stands out as the guy who can who can stand this test of time as, the entire. Tournament. As
1: far as matches go, they're telling a clear story with him. He's going to take shortcuts and he's going to be shameless about it. If you're listening to his promos, if you're following him on Twitter, um, he look he's going to get that chair involved every match. Um, uh, he is going to take shortcuts and 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 not feel uh, you know any guilt about it or he, you know he's, he's not going to give it. He, they're, they're what he is is like basically a classic cheating heel, shameless about it too. Um, you know the Tanahashi match; he tried to put Tanahashi away. You know he worked on the leg, he was throwing big bombs, but he couldn't pin him. So he got the chair involved, he got the low blows involved. That's gonna be his tournament. This is why the A block is 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 you know I think the B block is is the block that you're gonna focus on if you want to see great matches. A block they're telling a lot of stories because you've got that stuff with Jay White, you've got Okada. Who's doing depressed down in the dumps? Okada. He's not out there gunning to have big matches right now. He's out there telling this story that he's this guy going through a mental crisis after his title reign has ended. And he's just not working this G1 the way he has worked previous G1s where he was going out there trying to have great matches every time.
0: You've got right. He can't even walk right. You know, yeah. he, he's stepping to the ring different. He doesn't do his pose properly, and Gato's just looking at him like, "What are you doing, man? Like, what's wrong? Like, he's broken. He he. The, it's the, broken, Okada. The, the, yes. Just coming out to the ring. He can't. He can't walk to the ring with the same step that he used to. Like, he's he's kind of stumbling over his own feet. He just he can't find himself. And it's an awesome story right now.
1: Right. And you've got, but but it doesn't lend itself to great matches. I didn't like the J White. No. match. What did you think of the J White? I I called it. I, you know, I, I called it skippable. What did you think of? It?
0: Yeah, skippable might be the right way. I think it was, It if you're looking for pure in-ring, I think it's skippable. I think it had a fun story to it, and I enjoyed what they were trying to tell. I enjoyed Jay White doing what he did, and Okada selling for him, and that sort of stuff. So I enjoyed the story aspects of the match. But yeah, I mean, if you're really, like, pressed for time and, like, hey, what are the great matches? This is certainly not a great match of the G1. You could skip it, but I I didn't skip it because I I, I like the story of it a lot, and I think that's worth watching if you're kind of interested in in the ongoing Okada story and the ongoing Jay White story. But yeah, if you're like simply looking for great matches, I mean, it is absolutely a skippable match. It's not going to be in the top five, top 10, top 15 matches of this entire G1.
1: Yeah, I thought the Tanahashi match was better. I went four flat on that. Uh, I thought that was very dramatic down the stretch, even with the shenanigans. But You're going to get shenanigans with White. You're going to get Broken Okada. You're going to get Bad Luck Fale. All of his matches are going to have interference from Gorilla's Destiny. That's just what they're doing.
0: Yeah, not loving that. Not, not loving, loving that, that either. So and
1: in the other block too, <laughs> Tomatonga's match the same thing because they're establishing that the Tongans are fucking vile ass cheaters. That's just that they're establishing that story right now. And the fourth guy's Tanahashi. Ever since the Suzuki opener, where Suzuki fucking murdered his leg again, you can see that all his matches are going to be around that leg, just like you know the, the Switchblade match was. So you've got four guys who are basically not giving you traditional. G1, let's go out there and have great matches, style matches right now in that block, and that's and 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 three of them are key guys in the block. So this block is is, is you know certainly going to be blown away by the end of the tournament by the B block in terms of uh, match quality. The sneaky good match I thought in this block was Elgin versus Hangman Page. Uh, that was uh, that that exceeded my expectations and might be a match where if you're not someone who's going to watch every match and that might be a match that you would have skipped. Uh, make sure you watch Elgin and Hangman Page. I thought that was a
0: Elgin's had a good tournament so far. I've liked Elgin's output a lot. Yeah,
1: I mean, both of his matches were solid as fuck. Um, you know, I thought Togi Makabe, Minoru Suzuki, I was very worried about that match based on their tag match the night <laughs> yes. before. But they had, they went out there and fucking had a great match. So um, there's been some surprises here. But, um, you know, until Okada shakes it off and and... Goes on his run, um, you know. You're not going to get and look. It, it, who's he going to have great? Like who's left? I mean, he could have a great match with Elgin, I guess. He could have a great match with Hangman Page if they have good chemistry. Yeah, Tanahashi and Tanahashi, yeah. obviously, um, Minoru Suzuki. But he's not going to have a great match with Togi Makabe or Yoshihashi or or, or uh, he already had the Folly match. So uh, it's just not. You know, this block is a weird one, um, especially compared to you know last few years of G1 where it's Let's go out there and have great matches. This is not a great match block, and it hasn't been so far.
0: No, a lot, a lot of stories in the A block. A lot of, I mean, the, the Suzuki Tanahashi match was again a very fascinating story of Suzuki just, just destroying Tanahashi' leg and destroying it, destroying it. But all told, like I enjoyed that match, but I don't know if that's one I would like out of my go out of my way to recommend. Like I, I, I think it was good and it told a fun story, but I don't know. I mean, where where do you stand on that Suzuki Tanahashi match? I mean, it was it was fine, it was good, it told a good story, but yeah, I don't know. I like. If you're really pressed for time, I don't know that you have to watch. No, it. I, I, I said
1: it was worth a watch. I didn't say it was must watch. I think I went three and a half. You know, that, yeah, first, night a, that right. first night of the A, that first night the block, I had no must watch matches. Which, to me, and I want your take, that was the weakest opening night of the G1 that I yes, can recall. Yes, super
0: disappointing. In, in, I got real depressed yes. after that. I said, "Oh no, this G1. Why is this G1 going to suck? Oh God, oh God." Thankfully, the next night I was, uh, <laughs> I was definitely convinced that no, this G1 is not going to suck. But yeah, that that was a depressing opening night that was a real depressing opening night and it, it, it is really not boded well for the a block and now like the thing that you sort of mentioned is when you're looking at future matchups we had a lot of the big wigs out of there in those first few nights yes. like they get pretty lean like this weekend we'll talk about the previews they get real lean after this and it's like man that's that's gonna be a an interesting block that's gonna be a story heavy block but i mean you already lo- your suzuki and tanahashi's already gone your okada um jay white is already out of the way your jay white tanahashi's already out of the way your okada bad luck folly all those matches are already out of the way and those are four matches I was really looking forward to, and they all just kind of were fine. It's well, going to get lean, man. I don't know. It's not going to be
1: good. Night three, the second Nightly A Block, I thought they redeemed themselves. I thought that was a solid top-to-bottom night because I thought Elgin Hangman Page was four-star range. I thought White Tanahashi was four-star range. Uh, you know, I thought Makabe Suzuki was four-star range. Uh, I thought Fale Okada, eh, it wasn't their best match they've had against each other, but I liked it. And I even thought Evil Yoshihashi was fine. I went three and a quarter. Um, You know, so uh, I thought that that block redeemed itself, but it's very clear that the B block is where it's at if you're looking for the killer matches. They've only had one night so far as we record this, but they easily had the two best matches of the tournament so far. Kenny Omega and Naito, which is probably going to hang around uh, the top five, top three even matches of the tournament all the way through. Uh, You went the full five up.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I, I fucking love that. Yeah, the match. I, I the didn't, Every, Everything that I love out of a out of a wrestling match was all. <laughs> you weren't the <laughs> only was... one.
1: I didn't quite go yeah. full five. I went four and three quarters, um, which means I totally fucking hated it, as you know. Um, yeah, God, <laughs>
0: you, just, you hate Naito so much that you can't even give him a good rating for a match that was, you know. Yeah, I gave objectively him a, good. Joe. you just I,
1: you just suck. I think know? I gave him three five star matches last year. <laughs> now, admittedly, I'm not his biggest fan. I mean, he just the, 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 his his sure. character doesn't connect with. But the guy's right, a great yeah, wrestler. Like, I mean, you know. um. But, but yeah. And, and of course, the Zack Sabre Jr. Kota Ibushi match. Which I didn't have far behind. I went four and a half on that. I thought those guys fucking... Yeah, up.
0: I had it a little bit. I mean, again, like, I, I gave a ton of praise to Omega Naito because that was, like, my idea. I mean, I fucking loved every part of the match. And those two dudes make magic, too. I mean, they made magic a few years ago with the with the G1 final. But um, the, the Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., just below it, I would say. Like, not the full five, but god damn what a great match too i mean those those could i mean i really if we're thinking about it those could end up being my two favorite matches this entire g1 we it might have peaked early because it's gonna be tough to top those i mean it's really gonna be hard and and saber and abushi like i was i was wondering how that match was gonna be in the dynamics of it and they just nailed it man that is just a great when you talk about a story match a match where everything really matters every little move matters every counter matters just great stuff in that one and then omega and naito you know that's just bomb that's just you know the New Japan style that I really fell in love with is those two dudes. But I think there was a lot of emotion in that match, too. And and I thought, yeah, it's just really great stuff. And the kickouts were were, were well-timed. But I thought everything was well-timed that match. I thought Omega and Naito, just unbelievable chemistry between those two. But Saber and and, and, and uh, Ibushi was just, like, an awesome worked match. Like, just a super... I can't imagine anybody who would watch that match and not come away liking it. I could see... Here's my thing. Omega and Naito, I could see somebody not liking that match. That's definitely, if you're not into really? throwing bombs, New Japan main event style... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those sort of people. I could see people not enjoying that match. It's too, they're, they're overdoing it, they're doing too much, da, 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 too many whatever. I cannot fathom you watching Saber and Ibushi and not coming away enjoying it. You, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like anybody that would watch that would find something redeeming in it, because I think it had your high flying, it had your hard strikes, it had your submissions, it had your selling, like, there was everything in that match. And, like, it's just a step below it, because I thought Omega Knight was so spectacular. But, man, that one was really good, and I think there's something for everybody in that match.
1: And again, if you want my if you want my expanded thoughts, they're all there on the subscription side. In fact, you can listen to the night one breakdown for free. We unlock that for everyone. So if you want to get a little sample of what the G one daily reviews are like, the night one review is available for free on our Patreon page uh, right now. Give Rich a bit of the form here because he hasn't really gotten to speak his piece on any of this yet. Um, it's really way too early in Block B to look at points because there's only been show. So it's kind of a pointless thing to look at that. Really, the only thing to look at is Omega Naito, similar to what we talked about in the A block. Naito has to outscore Omega now, which, you know, it, it, those guys are going to win a ton of matches. And, you know, but Omega's not going to have, you look at this, and if you already beat Naito, Omega doesn't have a lot of losses uh, in front of him in this block. So I think it's going to be difficult for Naito to pass him in points because he can't tie him. Basically has to win almost all of his matches, if not every one of his matches now, because who who can Omega lose to? Abushi obviously, in Budokan Hall, he can lose that match. Uh, Tama Tonga maybe based on the feud uh, uh, that's going on right now. Maybe Zack Saber Jr. I mean I don't know. I mean I could see Omega losing maybe only one or two matches. If that's the case, it'll be tough for Naito to overcome. Him. But really, other than that, way too early to break down anything else with only one match in the books. What did you think of the first ever after 466 tag team matches or something for the first time ever Tomohiro Ishii versus Toru Yano in a singles match? I thought it over delivered.
0: It was really good. Yeah, Yano was, Uh, I don't know if it's because there's so much other shit going on in the show where you got, and again, like, it's one night, so I don't want to, yeah, again, like, o- overstate it, and who knows. I mean, by the time we're recording this, I think the other B-block night will go on, yes. so maybe Yano will be up to his old tricks again. But it may be because there's so much shit going on with the Tomatonga and the Bad Luck Folly, and, and, but, man, Yano working as a straight man, it makes you realize, like, why we complain about it all the time is that, yeah, it's nice that he's funny, yeah, whatever, yeah, it's funny, he rolls guys up or whatever, but dude could, you know, maybe have some pretty solid matches this was showed you, like. When he wants to, he can really deliver and do some good stuff, and this is what I want to see more of with Toro Yano. I understand the point of it. I understand why he does what he does in, in, in G1s, but it doesn't hurt to have a, a pretty solid match and lose. You know what I mean? Like it, it, It's fine that he went out there and had an okay match. That way over-delivered, and, and, and Ishii's incredible, so we know that. But, man, Yano just impressed the hell out of me. I've just not seen that Yano in, in uh, forever, maybe. I don't know, recall the last time I saw Yano work as, as hard as he did in that match.
1: Yeah, we know Yano from Russell. Uh, you know, we all know that watching him for years and years. and years. We know he can go. But yeah, this match against Ishii, whatever the reasoning was, maybe like you're saying, because this tournament is loaded with a bunch of other guys who are kind of doing shenanigans-style matches, maybe Yano's going to play this straight. Maybe he's not going to be the night off for everybody that we think uh, that we thought he was going to be. Or maybe just because it was his partner. Now, I thought it was clever at the finish that Ishii used Yano's tactics to beat him, which I thought was clever. Um, you know, he ended up using the low blow and, and, and a ref distraction and all that to beat Yano, which I thought was fun. Um, Tama Tonga. He's just not a guy, Rich. My take on him on the subscription side was he's a tag team wrestler and a fine tag team wrestler. Uh, but he's not just not a guy. He's not a singles wrestler. Um, shenanigans or no shenanigans, he just doesn't have it in him. Um, the, the time is up with, with him in terms of me waiting around for it. Um, he's just not a guy. Where do you stand on that? I just think he's a tag team guy.
0: Yeah and I think for there was some confusion last week when we were talking about Tom and, Tonga. and what we were saying about Tomatonga wasn't necessarily that oh we're ready to get all in on Tom and, Tonga, and oh my god it, we were just saying simply that you know after G1 special that he was going to have more wins than we probably thought he was going to have and he's already shown that he's already up to you know with Joe hey, Robinson already Right, and you look at his output over the past few years, like, he's already, you know, at a pretty good pace, and we'll see what happens, but there's no way that this guy, they're going to have that big angle happen, and they're going to have all these angles happen, and he's going to get four points, like, that's just not going to happen. No, our he's point was he, yeah, that.
1: our point was that he'd be booked better, not that he was going to Right, out. that he
0: was going to win more, but not that he was going to be better, you know, none of us were, were concluding, and yeah, I'm kind of that way, too, it, it's, you know, again, early in the tournament, we won't know, but. It's just you know you have a, a match against Juice Robinson like you got to be good against Juice, Juice Robinson is incredible he's having great matches against everybody in the ring there and it stunk and Juice Robinson I don't know if you watched the YouTube video he kind of buried it on his own too like I forget what his exact quote was but it was essentially just like yeah well, you know, it wasn't great <laughs> like he knew it sucked like they know it's so I don't know it's it's yeah it's gonna be an interesting tournament to see because he's gonna be in a high profile he's gonna win a lot of matches but it's just it's, if it hasn't happened yet it's probably not gonna happen with Tomatonga. I just don't think it's gonna turn around. He's all of a sudden going to be a great singles worker, and then that's that becomes an issue because that's New Japan has really hit, on almost every guy that they've elevated has been a great wrestler. You know what I mean? Every guy that we talk about over the last five, six years or whatever, almost every single one of them has been a really good wrestler and, and and has really met that you know met that mark. And Jay White was one that earlier in this year we're like, oh, I don't know, you know, they're putting the push on him, but he's not doing it, and he's kind of catching up a little bit there. But man, Tomatonga is a guy they're putting. He's got the rocket on him, and I I don't know if he can go to that level. So that's going to be really fascinating to see how it goes.
1: Okay, Rich. Four straight nights of, of uh, G1 coming up. Here is the first show, which most of the people listening to this, this show will be over by the time you hear this. Most of the people, not everybody, but the, the large majority. Listen to the top three matches on this show. And I'm, i am it's safe to say we're not going to look foolish for putting over. I think they're going to deliver. Okay, Kenny Omega versus Hiroki Goto. Tetsuya Naito versus Tomohiro Ishii. They always have fucking great matches. And Kota Abushi versus Juice Robinson are the top three matches <laughs> in show. Yeah. I mean, geez, Omega in a main event against a guy who he had a great final against a couple years ago. You know that's going to deliver. Naito Ishii always delivers, and Ibushi-Juice Robinson. My God. And then the other two matches are Zack Sabre Jr. versus Toru Yano, and Sonata versus Tama Tanga. So So this is three straight nights in Cork and Hall, which is interesting, too. And then the fourth night, which is in another building, I believe, in Tokyo, uh, that they don't run as often. Uh, we go back to the A block on the 20th. This also will be a show that I'll be covering on the subscriber side. Okada versus Hangman Page on top in Cork and Hall. Um, depending, look, if this is where they finally flip the switch with Okada, I think this can be a great match. Rich, what are the odds that Okada starts 0-3, which makes it almost impossible for him to win the block at that point, even even if he if, even, even if he sweeps? Against Hangman Page, do you think that they would do that with Hangman Page, or do you think back in Cork and Hall this is where the Okada flip gets switched
0: yeah i I want to think that this is where the flip gets switched, but i don't I'm really I'm not sure like i really I, I don't know i it, it's given how he sort of wrestled those first two. I thought he would just you know go out there and maybe you know lose or whatever or just lose by the skin of his teeth, but he looks the, the character they're trying to play is that he's lost, and it's like it's hard for me to get in the headspace that all of a sudden he turns it on now. And it, 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 I don't know. They're kind of all in on this. He seems to be all in on it. I have no idea. I, I think he's going to win. And I think this will kind of kickstart. And as I predicted it for the G1, uh, pick em is that now he kind of, you know, sweeps the rest of the tournament and kind of figures it out. But I almost kind of selfishly don't want him to do that. I kind of like the idea of him losing. I think it's a really fun story. If he goes out there and loses and loses, and loses, and maybe I, and maybe not over, maybe he gets a few points here and there, but. I think I don't know. Part of me thinks it's maybe too soon for him to kind of click back because I'm kind of enjoying the story, but then the other part of me says, "Well, I want great Okada matches again, so it'd be nice if he kind of flipped the switch." I don't know. I'm conflicted. I, I, you know, gun in my head, I say he wins, but it wouldn't stun me if if Heyman Page does win here.
1: I think he's gonna win because if he loses, that means Jay White has to lose a lot of matches that he shouldn't lose. Right, right, right. right, In order, you know what I mean, for Okada to make a dramatic. Going into the final night, so I think this is where because
0: a- really, if you if you do the scoring and and that's why different the G one is I had Okada lose in the first two. When you do the scoring, like he kind of has to win out if he's going to be neck and neck with yes. Jay White. And he
1: and remember because he unless- has to finish ahead of White, not you know right, so right, to-
0: right, exactly. And, and- unless, like you said, you want to have Jay White, you know, lose to you know Yoshihashi, Yoshi-hashi. Yeah, it- and Evil and all these guys. I mean, like yeah, that's the problem is when you do that. Now you then have to have Jay White job out a lot. Unless, if Okada's not going to play a, a part in it whatsoever, then he could just lose all these ones. But if he's going to play any sort of part in this, which we all imagine he's going to, then he has to start winning almost every single match.
1: I, I can't imagine a scenario where Okada is not mathematically involved, if he's not mathematically alive going into Budokan. Ball. Right. So in order for that to happen, he almost has to win this match. Uh, so, so then we've got Togi Makabe evil, Tanahashi versus Fale, uh, Mike Elgin versus Jay White, and Minoru Suzuki versus Yoshihashi. Here's the theme with the A-Block. You're going to have to get lucky with some matches every night for them to be solid shows. Some of these matches that you may not be confident are going to deliver are going to need to deliver, or these are going to be disappointing shows. Minoru Suzuki versus Yoshihashi almost has to deliver because Jay White Elgin is going to be gimmick heavy. That's to say they can't still have a good match, but with Jay White, it's a 50-50 proposition because they're going to be gimmick heavy. Makabe, Evil could easily be a poor match. So you need something like Suzuki Yoshihashi to deliver, which is interesting. You know, it's like the A Block, you know, I think we're in for some rough shows with the A Block. Um, the Third Night in Korkin is a B Block show, and here's the dichotomy. To me, this is one of the lesser B Block shows, but it's still awesome. It's almost impossible to have a bad B Block show on paper because of how loaded it is. Now look at this one. Tomohiro Ishii versus Hiroki Goto Kenny Omega vs. Tamatanga, uh, Tetsuya Naito vs. Juice Robinson, Zack Sabre Jr. vs. Sonata, and Ibushi versus Yano. On paper, that might be one of the weaker B-block shows, and I still think it's going to fucking roll. Because you've got Naito versus Juice Robinson, you've got Ishii versus Goto, and I think Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata will probably be a good match. And
0: then, oh, dude, I cannot wait for that match. That's my most anticipated match on the wow. show. Wow! How about that, that. Junior Sonata? Just because I think it's going to be like I, I'm interested to see how those guys sort of have a match and the structure of the matches and all that sort of stuff. With that said, I mean Ishin Godo's going to fucking rock, and Naito and and and, and Juice is going to rock, and Omega and Tama Tonga is, you know, obviously a, and, a big well. That's the right thing. Now, if but... you get
1: anything out of Omega and Tama Tonga or Abushi Yano, you're in for a great show. If you get anything oh, out yeah, of
0: those, yeah, yeah. And like you said, Omega
1: right. Tonga, you know, before before. San Francisco just looked like nothing. Now at least there's some storyline relevance to that match, which can get you into it, even if it's not necessarily a typical Kenny Omega match. It's going to be a significant match. So, you know, you're you're right on you're, you know, you nailed it with that. Um, and then, you know, we go back to the A-block. This is not Corkenhall. Hall. Um, uh, this will be the fourth of the four shows in a row. It's Okada Makabe, Evil Fale. Tanahashi Hangman Page, Minoru Suzuki J. White, and Elgin Yoshihashi. That looks bad on paper. Yeah, it's not good. Um, <laughs> you're not... really going to need Suzuki J. White to deliver. Suzuki J. White's an interesting match. I think that'll be J. White's first loss. Um,
0: Yeah, I think Suzuki just bullies the fuck out of him that entire time <laughs> and beats him, But which makes sense. If you're going to ch- chalk up J. White losses, one to Minoru Suzuki is fine. Like That's one that will not hurt him. That's one that I, I, I'm i totally yeah, okay. yeah exactly Suzuki's... You know, he tries to fuck around and be his asshole and Suzuki just slaps the fuck out of him and taps him out or whatever. And, and, say, no, no, no. And
1: Suzuki's Not yet. <laughs> and Suzuki's only too. So to get him back in right. the mix, he's gotta go on a run. Which I totally think he's capable of doing. So, you know, he's got Yoshihashi and Jay White coming. He's beating Yoshihashi, without question. And then, you know, like you said, for a million different reasons, so it's okay for him to beat Jay White. So that's what we got coming up, and that's the uh that's the G one stuff that we'll be looking back on when we do the next flagship, those four shows. Then they'll have a couple more days off, and I think uh, three in a row after that. There's only one other stretch where there's four shows in a row. So if you're worried about G1 burnout, you know, the G1 just started, and we had a bunch of days off. I think everyone could get through these four, especially since Cork and Hall is going to be a lot of juice. It's that second four-show stretch. I think that's where a lot of people are going to drop out. Um, So uh, that's what we got coming up. Anything else you wanted to touch on with the G1?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, there was a little fun stuff. I, I was going to kind of pick your brain here sure. about this quickly. Uh, in terms of uh, G one, uh, the, the pickums, we always have the percentages. We did it last yeah. week, where like the you know matches that people are picking and, and things. And I'm, I'm kind of curious about a few results here. Uh, July 19th, uh, Kenny Omega, 93.7 percent vote him over uh, 5.9 to Hiroki Goto. Does that surprise you at all that Goto not a little higher?
1: Nah, that's about where I thought it would be. Um, the other thing though about the pickums, it's funny it's you have to pick everything before the tournament starts. Now that we've seen some stuff play out, I bet people would change their minds on some of these matches. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Because you're Absolutely. picking based on your narrative, your story that you're telling. So always keep that in mind, too, as we move further and further along. But no, I don't think, um, yeah, I think that's, look, I don't think many people are going to pick Goto over Omega, you know, regardless, especially its only Kenny's Second match. Um, what do you, do you think Goto has a legit shot there? Or?
0: No, no, I just thought it was kind of weird that it's so high yeah. for Omega, but but I, I thought there'd be maybe a few people that would throw a go-to sleeper match, you know, sleeper win in there or whatnot. But yeah, I was kind of, I, I just kind of because I, I kind of agree that it would probably be Kenny Omega all the way, but I'm surprised that there isn't just a little bit more because that's that's one of our biggest differences in terms of. I mean, when you go through every single match of this entire tournament, that's one that almost is the highest percent for one guy, so it's almost the highest on Kenny. You know, Omega.
1: Rich, I gotta tell you though, the more I look at it, Omega has to lose a match or two along the way, especially right. to get, and, and it is Cork and Hall. This is the kind of building where if a champion does get upset, this is where you would set up a challenge. And Hiroki Goto would be a perfect. Right. Just
0: means nothing. You know, it's just a random show. He's probably not going to win it at some random destruction right. in Hiroshima or whatever. And it, it's perfect. It's just, yeah. So that that's kind of why I was curious as well. He seems like a guy that might, you know, because you don't really, Omega doesn't really lose any hierarchy by losing to Goto. And if Goto gets a subtle shot, that's fine. It'll be a good match. It'll be, you know, it'll do fine. It'll draw. All right. And to loses and, and whatever, and we, everybody moves on with their lives or whatever. But yeah, this is, so I was kind of you've, fascinated you, about that one. That one could me. be a sleeper. You've sold me. Okay.
1: I think Goto can win.
0: Uh, this one I thought was pretty interesting as well. Uh, Okada and Hangman Page. So again, we talked about Okada, where he's at right now. 90.4% obviously have him and Hangman Page 9.3. And this is what you talk about, where at the beginning of the tournament, yeah, of course Okada's going to beat Hangman Page. But now, if you had people do it, I don't know if it'd be 50-50. I don't know if it'd be 60-40. But I would see... I, I, it's definitely going to be 90-10, you know, in terms of Okada versus Hangman Page. I think it'd be a lot higher if people were able to do it, you know, right now or whatnot. So, that's kind of interesting to see that one yeah. um, for sure. Um, some other funny ones uh, here that I liked. Uh, Temuro Ishii, Hiroki to. We talk about Goto again. This one, 55% have Goto over Ishii. Uh, also, a lot of people have that one drawing. 1.3%. 1. That's not a lot, but it's enough to have that as a draw. I found that kind of funny. And then, interestingly enough, this... Because a lot of people brought there, and I don't know if this was just basically every single person voting after uh, G1 in San Francisco, because we had about maybe, I don't know, about 300 or so entries come after uh, G1 special. But Kenny Omega on July 21st, Kenny Omega, 56.2% of people think him uh, over Tamatonga at 42.4%. What's interesting is, like I said, I don't know if that's like 100% of people then after G1 picked Tomatonga or if this one was closer even before that. But I thought that was no, interesting. No, was shot. no shot. No shot.
1: If everyone picked before G1, Tonga would be under 10%. Right, right. There's right. no question that's close to 50 50 because of the angle. There's no question. No one was right. So I'm Tongo. curious,
0: like, how many people then after that G1 special vote? I mean, almost, it would almost have to be just about everybody. I'd have to, i have I, maybe I, I could do the math, but it would almost have to be just about everybody else that put an entry in after, after that G1 special threw Tonga as the winner here because, yeah, this is unfathomable that they'd be this close.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, no, not a fucking shot. He'd be under 10%.
0: All right, and then July twenty second as well. Okada again, I mentioned ninety six point six over Togi Makabe, three point one percent. I think, regardless of whatever angle they're doing, I really don't think you are going to Togi Makabe beat Okada, but we'll see what happens there. But uh, one that I thought was pretty interesting as well was the uh, Minoru Suzuki J White match that we talked about a little bit. Minoru Suzuki sixty three point three percent of people, him uh, have him winning, and then J White only thirty six point one percent, also 07 percent. Think uh, maybe a draw there, but uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. And that's that's interesting is is I think a lot of people then realize as they're doing the math there that, hey, Jay White's got to lose to somebody, and if it's going to be anybody, Minoru Suzuki's a great pick. So, yeah, 63.3% say Suzuki uh, gets his first points here, or or at least, well, you know, it catches up a little bit. We don't know what he's going to do, obviously, on the 19th uh, when we're recording this. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting as well that, that, that it kind of was in line with us. And there's not a lot of huge surprises for these last four days. I think just about everybody, for these next four days, I should say, just about everybody, I think, picked about where I would pick. I mean, obviously, there'll be upsets and whatnot, but, yeah, it stayed pretty... Uh, Pretty consistent, except for there was on July 19th, for some reason, and people want draw happy on this one, you got 0.3% of people say a draw for Zack Sabre Jr. Toro Yano. They're not drawing Zack Sabre Jr. Toro Yano. Rich, I can't
1: deal with the draws. I, I just I can't deal <laughs> I with the draws.
0: I put them in I, there just to upset you. I love it. I, I love it. You so know it what
1: it is? I think it's people not getting the standings that they wanted by the end, so then they go back and change certain matches to Exa- draws exactly just to get things is. to line up. Yeah. One other quick note before we move on to the, uh, to the next topic, because we have a lot to get to just under uh, 40 minutes, um, is is through three shows, uh, they're, they're going to break their G1 attendance record again because they're running the last three shows in Budokan Hall, which which holds more fans than Sumo Hall. does. That's number one. And the final is already sold out or you know so close to selling out that it's a virtual lock that it will sell out. But the first two nights were in Ota Ward Gymnasium, which is a building where they usually hold the anniversary shows. And those two shows both outdrew all of the other Ota Ward gymnasium shows that they've held there since they started reporting real attendance. That's number one. Number two, the Sapporo show outdrew the last last year's Sapporo show by a significant amount as well. So they're on pace to break uh, their G1 attendance record again this year, and I think they're going to do that, uh, You know, assuming a lot of the Village shows in the middle uh, perform as well as they did last year because they're already ahead of last year's pace because they ran a big building the first two shows and put a lot of fans in it. Uh, Sapporo uh, beat the year before, and Budokan Hall is going to beat Sumo Hall on the last three nights. Uh, you know, uh, by thousands. So if there's any ground to make up, they're going to make it up. But I, I, you know, I think they're going to be ahead of pace even before they get the Budokan. So just wanted to mention that. That's one thing moving forward that I'm going to be tracking too on the uh, on the uh, daily.
0: All right, good stuff there. So let's move on to uh, another show coming up uh, this weekend, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. I know, obviously, you do the Impact Wrestling reviews, uh, the weekly reviews on the, uh, the Patreon, patreon.com, slash Voice of Wrestling. I mentioned at uh, voiceofwrestling.com right now. We have a great preview up uh, with Slammiversary. A uh, lot of buzz around the Slammiversary show, a lot of intrigue, you know, Impact TV, and, and, and you can maybe elude to this a little bit more. And I, I kind of pick and choose my stuff. I know you watch it every week. It has been hit or miss, but I think, all in all, this is a very well-built show, and I'm pretty excited for Slammiversary. It's like... Yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to be rewarded for this excitement, but when it's, uh, you know, watching the build, and they did a great thing on YouTube as well. If you, if you kind of want to catch up on, on what's going on with Slammiversary, uh, Impact Wrestling's YouTube channel has a great sort of preview show. It's like about 30 or 40 minutes or so. Covers all the big matches, covers all the big promos, gets you in all the stories or whatnot so in 40 minutes you can really catch up. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to the show. A lot of really fun matches, a lot of really fun builds, and and coherent stories, logical stories, like just a lot of smart wrestling and and smart booking being done in Impact Wrestling right now.
1: Yeah, it's weird, because the last few weeks of TV have not been good. I've buried it pretty hard uh, on the subscription side. But with that said, just about every match on this show has been well-built. It's weird. You'd think with bad TV, they're not building to these matches very well. There's only two matches I can point to on the entire show that I do not think have had good builds. One, they didn't try, because it's just a match designed to be a spot fest uh, to entertain the crowd. And the other is the Austin Aries-Moose match, which they did try to build. It's just Moose has no juice, and it just hasn't worked. And uh, But every other match on the show, uh, whether I'm into it or not, I, I have to say has been very well built on the TV, despite the fact that the TV the last couple of weeks has trend, really trended downward, and they've really put out some really lousy shows. With that said, the best TNA-slash-Impact match I've seen in at least three years was the main event of last week's TV which everyone should go out of their way to see, which was uh, Ohio versus everything against uh, Rich Swan, Phoenix, and Pentagon Jr. I went four and a quarter on it. So uh, well worth going out of your way to see.
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's break down some of the matches here, and you can kind of give your uh, your thoughts and stuff on the uh, preview. So we'll start with the uh, just a random singles match here, Tessa Blanchard versus Allie. Well, do you think of Tessa Blanchard, Allie? Yeah,
1: not really a random singles match. They've had Tessa Blanchard. Losing basically via banana peel to various people on the roster, Madison Rain, and uh, and all that, but that was before she signed an impact contract. So now she's under contract. I would expect her to get pushed to the moon from this point forward because Don Callis is in love with Tessa Blanchard. How do I know that? He says it on TV every week, and he runs the company. Okay, so if you listen to the guy's commentary, you can you know he just throws roses at Tessa Blanchard like you wouldn't believe, and she's a heel. Uh so yeah, I expect her to get pushed now full steam ahead now that she's under contract. They've built up this match with Allie who is one of the top baby faces on the knockout side. So um yeah, I mean I see this as the beginning of Tessa Blanchard's push. The only reason Allie would win this is if they want to extend this feud a bit. But Tessa Blanchard is going to come out on top against Allie. Um you know when it's all said
0: all right, so you have the five one five zero Street Fights, Joe. Latin American exchange Santana and Ortiz with Conan versus the OGs, Hernandez and Homicide, and they're with King. So what do you think about this LAX breakup angle that they've been doing? I know you've been talking about it in TV reviews, but for people that don't know, a little bit of background about this breakup uh, between LAX. This
1: you know, is kind of the different size. So fucking awesome, all of this, and they've been doing it. I just said
0: fifty-one fifty. I said five-one-zero-five. That was the lamest, whitest <laughs> thing i ever said. You are such a
1: white street, boy. Fight. So <laughs> uh, this is the, really this is the best shit. This I will tell you this right now. This is the best long-term television story in wrestling today. This this uh, LAX breakup angle. Uh, the the promos between Conan. And Eddie Kingston, who's going by the name King, uh, for the purposes of this angle, the the uh, the clubhouse uh, the clubhouse segments, the LAX clubhouse segments every week on TV, which are shot like Brian De Palma movies. They're gritty. Um, uh, You know, they're they're alluding to uh, you know LAX being drug dealers. They're you know uh, uh, Kingston is bringing in strippers to fuck the LAX tag team. Um, you know, they're 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 talking about it's just it's just different than everything else that's on TV right now because there's a real grittiness to it. And when Conan and Kingston face off and have these promo battles, it just it, it they're both so good on the mic and they're both so authentic that it just there's a there's a quality to it that's that I can't really describe. I mean gritty is the word I keep going back to. It just feels raw, it feels real, it feels gritty. Um and and it was very well done. I mean, I don't think many people were expecting Hernandez and Homicide to show up, um, you know, to complete King's heel turn, and and to prove Conan right that it was King who put the hit on Conan, which is why Conan disappeared to begin with.
0: (laughs) This is unlike anything else in wrestling, as Joe's explaining hits and strippers and like it's it's unique for sure.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really it's an adult storyline. I mean, they're not gearing this towards children or families at all, and there's a real grittiness to it, and, and you know, Conan disappeared, and King shows up, and, and you know, he's, he leads Santana and Ortiz back to the tag team titles, which they lost because they were depressed about Conan not being around, and then Conan came back and, 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 and told LAX Santana Ortiz, say, hey, look, I know that King set up the hit on me, I know that he's the one who set all this up, and, and they weren't sure who to believe, and King and Conan had these great, just promo- Conan called King a human uh, glory hole on television. He called him a human glory hole. I'm like, what an (laughs) insult, you know? And they're getting real deep and like, and like, 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 like Conan at one point said to King in the ring, he said, you know, we grew up in the streets together and used to get depressed when, when, you know, people would call you a spick. They're usually like racial slurs in this angle. And like King looks depressed because in his youth, he was called these racial slurs. And Conan is digging deep psychologically on him. And it's just, where are you seeing this in television wrestling? These This kind of storytelling and these kind of gritty stories. and And, and you just aren't seeing it. I have nothing but praise for this entire storyline from start to finish. You've got Santana who keeps alluding to this 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 white girl named Peaches who he's fucking. I mean, they're just they're just hitting it on all angles, you know. And it, it's just it's just I don't know. It, it's different and it's raw and I love it. And 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 the and when Hernandez and Homicide showed up and finally solidified it, and King cut that great promo this week after they won their squash match. So now we've got Hernandez and Homicide, the original LAX, going against Santana and Ortiz, uh, the new LAX. And look, I don't expect this to end here. I don't want it to end here. I want more mic battles between Conan and King. I want more matches between these two teams. I want more clubhouse segments on the TV. And and And, you know, I really wish Impact would release all of the clubhouse segments as one long, you know, 30-minute movie that people can go back and watch so they can see this all play out over the course of the last three or four months or however long it's been going on because it's really been tremendous stuff.
0: I'll ask you really quickly. I mean, I haven't watched every single one of these segments, but how does this differ in some ways? Because I think I, I, I could hear people that maybe don't watch Impact saying, well, you know, you bury Lucha Underground, you it all this, you know, sort of stuff. What makes this in a way different? And I'm, I'm not necessarily challenging well, you. Well, we're going to get to that, that because saying, there's
1: nothing supernatural about this.
0: Yeah, okay. So that would be your difference. This is what is. I've what been like trying it's to coherent, say. coherent, you know, it's, it's, humans having discussions and arguments. Yeah, it's
1: gritty and it's real and it's it's just there's a gritty element to it. I know I've used that word a thousand times. Stop saying gritty. But that's, that's what I keep going back to. It's is something about, no, look, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't think, now look, they've never explicitly said that these guys are drug dealers. They allude to it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, King will hand them a briefcase and they'll open it and they'll go, oh, oh, King got the stuff. You know, they don't explicitly say, oh, King got the cocaine, but you all know what they mean. You, you see what I'm saying, Rich? So it, it, there's a lot of wink, wink and nudge, nudge to it. Sure. But there's a lot of raw language too. Like I said, they're using racial slurs in this. You know, what wrestling angle or what wrestling promotion, you know, like is doing that in this day and age, you know? And it's like I would like to see a deep dive on the psychology behind that and 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 why, you know, cuz clearly Conan brought that up to Kingston because that was like a weak point in King's character, that, that 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 hurts him internally from when they were boys on the streets. You know what I mean? It's like stuff like that and it's and because Conan and Kingston are such great promos, they make it all work. If you had guys that were lousy promos, or if you had, uh, you know, people who didn't, you know, uh, respect the material here or, or own the material the way that they have, this would come off horribly.
0: Yeah, right, right. And that's that's sort of what I gathered from this is that like, man, these are the perfect guys. A, a guy like a homicide—you haven't even mentioned homicide yes. yet—owns that. I mean, when you when you talk about that. guy gritty again like you say a guy that like even back in, in in old school ROH you just had a different homicide came out and you were like oh shit is going down he felt like a badass he appeared to be just a bigger badass than everybody else on the roster Hernandez is another guy too that's always been able to sort of project that pretty well Conan Eddie Kingston does that too. I, for better or for worse I'm not a big Eddie Kingston guy but he projects that character well so this is a great opportunity for him and it's it's, it's the perfect role for him obviously the perfect role for Conan works great for homicide like everybody involved like you said is giving it their all and, and, and really seems like they're sinking their teeth into this too, which means they probably have some part in it too. You, you, know, Absolutely. you, know, you know, like yep. you can tell when a guy, when guys are and, and watching these promos, these are definitely guys that are writing some of their own stuff that are giving their own ideas. Hey, how about this? Or hey, let's do this because you can tell from the way and the passion that they're, they're saying this stuff is it's not poorly acted at all. Like you said, it could it could be a thirty minute video that you just gave to a non wrestling fan; they would enjoy it all the same. Like it it has, it almost has nothing to do with wrestling in some ways, which is actually kind of funny. It sort of takes your brain out of the wrestling in a lot of ways, and that's that's a testament to those guys and their acting ability because that's not something that happens a lot in pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's to me what separates it from some. And look, as we go through this card, there's stuff on here that does delve too close to lucha underground style shit. So, um, you know, I I will address that as we move forward, but this. There's three storylines going on in Impact that, uh, you know, are 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 very edgy. This is one of them. The next match we're going to do is the next, and then the Sue Young-Madison Rain match. And for various reasons, I'm all in on this one. I'm kind of sort of in on the Eddie Edwards, Tommy Dreamer stuff, and I'm completely out on the Sue Young stuff, and I will explain all the differences as we go. Uh,
0: this one, uh, Eddie Edwards versus Tommy Dreamer, House of Hardcore Rules. This is one that I've sort of watched a little bit of the promos for. I think this one's not really very well acted. I think there's, there's times where it is and there's times when I'm really into the story and it's, it's pretty cool. And I think a lot of the stuff that Tommy Dreamer is saying, I think Dreamer is doing, in my mind, a little bit of a better job in this where Eddie Edwards, you can tell, feels a little uncomfortable in the role. I think he's doing all right with it. But I, I don't know it's it's getting a little too kooky at some points or whatever. But the, the the heart of the story is is pretty good, and I'm enjoying Dreamer's aspect of it. Like the part about it that I love again, like referencing history is one of my favorite things in in pro wrestling. Where Tommy Dreamer says because kind of the impetus of this is that Eddie Edwards is obsessed with Sammy Kailan. Sammy Callen broke his face. He's obsessed with him. He's obsessed with him. He can't get his mind off of it. It's ruining his life. It's doing all this sort of stuff. And Tommy Dreamer comes out and straight up says, "Hey, I know where you're at, man. I obsessed over." He doesn't name a night name, but it's, of course, Raven. It's, I obsessed over beating Raven for years and years and years, and it's not healthy, and what you're doing is not healthy, and Eddie Edwards kind of pushes back against that, and now they're going to have a match. So I think there's a lot of fun stuff in this, but it's sometimes I'm I'm watching some of the videos, and they get a little too camp for me sometimes.
1: You nailed it. Some of this has landed. A lot of it hasn't. The fight in the woods between Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan, yeah, it was goofy. Yeah. It was too broken hearty-ish. Uh, when Eddie Edwards broke into his own empty house looking for his wife because he thinks Tommy Dreamer is fucking his wife. Uh, you know, like I said, these are wrestling. I can't
0: believe that because I don't believe that anybody would want to fuck Tommy Dreamer ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe heartthrob, you know, 1993 Tommy Dreamer. But nobody in 2018 wants to have sex with Tommy Dreamer. Not his own wife. Nobody. Well, Eddie Edwards
1: is nuts. I mean, that, that's the story here. He's gone just totally unbalanced and, and because of Sammy Callahan. But they've pivoted away from Sally Call- Sammy Callahan and into Tommy... Sammy Callahan has moved on. He's in a, a totally different blood view now. you know. And they've pivoted to Tommy Dreamer, and I was uh, skeptical of that, but it's worked for the reasons you said. Uh, Tommy Dreamer was Eddie Edwards 20 years ago. Uh, Eddie Edwards is so crazy he doesn't trust anyone. He thinks Dreamer is fucking his wife. Um, and, you know, the segment where he broke into his own house was real goofy, where he looked into the mirror and then the mirror broke and all that. So this, I'm kind of iffy, but the story itself I think has been tremendous and I and, and it has been a little edgier than what you'll see in other wrestling companies and I applaud them for that. And um I and I do think the pivot from Sammy Callahan to Tommy Dreamer has worked. Um I don't know what kind of look, it's a house of hardcores match. Tommy Dreamer's not gonna have straight wrestling matches anymore. If Tommy Dreamer can get in there with cookie sheets and kendo sticks and tables and stop signs. He can fake his way through a through a fun brawl. I mean, it's what he's done his whole career. So I think the match will deliver. But more importantly, it's where does the story go from here? And I'm into it. I'm curious to see.
0: Uh Phoenix, Johnny Impact, Rich Swan, and Taiji Ishimori is their next match. Johnny Impact, of course, the former Johnny Mundo, whatever the hell you want to call him. <laughs> Every time I hear Johnny Impact, I always like for some reason I think of Johnny Gargano, but it's it's definitely not. It's Johnny uh, Johnny Mundo or whatever. But uh Phoenix, uh Johnny Rich Swan and Taiji Ochimori four way match. This should be a lot of fun. There's a lot of good wrestlers in there. Uh, John Morrison is probably far and away the worst guy in this match, and that's pretty good when that's uh, when you can say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is you know the one match on the show that has no television build. they're just going out there to have a fun spot fest. You're not going to yep. see deep psychology here. You're going to see four guys just trying to kill it. So should be a lot of fun. Johnny Impact should win. This is his reintroduction to Impact after being away to film Survivor. So I think this is a device just to get him back over. Uh, what's interesting is who will he pin? Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I would assume Ishimori, but will New Japan be okay with that? I mean, he's not a title holder or anything. Um, that would be the guy that, if you know, if politics weren't involved, I'd have him pin Taiji Ishimori. He's just coming in for this and maybe the TV tapings.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely. Do that I mean, there, there's no reason not to. I mean, all those other guys you're going to use in the future. Rich Swan, of course, you're going to use. Phoenix is a guy who's who's regular there. Ishimori's, yeah, he's going to be yeah. doing a few of the tapings. I would, die. if they're allowed to, you know, if there's not something. But I, I you know, he, this Ishimori thing is just so weird that he's even booked on this show that he's even showing up for this. It's just kind of unbelievable. So I have to imagine he's losing, but I don't know if anybody really knows or cares. You know, it. it, I, it I'm curious. I'm really curious how this how this result goes down. But yeah, move on now. You got Mask versus Hair. Uh, Pentagon putting his mask, of course, on the line. And Sam McCallan putting his hair on the line. I'm really interested in this result. I mean, I I assume Sam McCallan loses. I I assume that Pentagon Jr. is not unmasking it in uh, (laughs) the Impact. But, uh, yeah, it would be pretty interesting to see how this one goes down. Yeah,
1: Pentagon Jr. is not losing his mask. But with that said, this has been so well built. Pentagon Jr. cuts better promos in Spanish with subtitles than most people cut in English. Oh, it's great. Yeah,
0: because you feel like he's going to kill you no matter what. I mean, it's even better. If he spoke English, I think it would hurt. But he sounds like such a fucking badass in Spanish. He really does. It, 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 like, yeah, it's so
1: awesome. And Callahan's been great here. This is the most interested I've ever been in Sammy Callahan with this feud. Um, it has just worked. And um, even though we know Pentagon Jr. is not going to lose his mask, I'm still super intrigued by this. And Rich, to me, this feels like the real main event of the show. Because I think these two guys have done the best job building their match. It feels like the biggest deal on this show, this match, more so than the title match. And I'm curious what goes on last. I have a feeling Austin Aries and Moose is going to go on last, but realistically, if I'm running the show and because the Moose thing hasn't really worked, I'm putting this on last because this feels like the biggest deal.
0: Yeah, I, I think of course I think the title is going to go on last, and they've sort of if you watch that preview show, they kind of build it towards this the, that the, the, the title match being the main event. But yeah, this one probably should. I mean, it's going to have the most heat. The stipulations are always good, like a a mask hair stipulation. Any mask match is always going to be pretty big heat, especially when it's with those two guys. So I would almost do this one, you know, last because I think it's one of those ones that could become such a thing where the the crowd is just so invested in it that they maybe need a few little cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Matt Seidel and Brian Cage that comes after is going to feel like it's missing something because the Pentagon Callahan is going to be so nuts and get the crowd so amped up or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of position some of this. But as far as I can tell, sort of looking from the outside, it looks like Aries and Moose is going to be your main event. But we'll see when uh, when Sunday comes around. Uh, Matt Seidel, uh, the champion. Uh, Brian Cage, he's of course the X-Division champion uh, defending against Brian Cage. Uh, what do you think about this one so far? It's been, a you know, not a real intricate build, but uh, yeah, it's been fine. Kind of classic old-school progressing build for the most part. Matt
1: Seidel is doing the best character work of his career with the heel stuff and the third eye and all that. And he survived... The first Brian Cage challenge because Congo Kong, uh, you know, came down to the ring and Brian Cage got counted out and, uh, you know, looked like a goofball in the process. And I buried that pretty hard um, at the time because Brian Cage was on the undefeated streak. They were showing all these matches from around the world that he was winning. And he really felt like the hottest character in the company. And they had him lose like a goof by count. He avenged that. He beat Congo Kong on TV, got that out of the way re-earned his title shot against Matt Seidel. They would be insane if Brian Cage does not win the title now in his second opportunity against Seidel. I know Seidel's doing good work, but Cage was red hot until that dopey count-out loss. Um, and, and and they've lost a lot. Look, he, he, he lost a lot of his momentum, but you can get it back. If it were me booking this show, Rich, Brian Cage would win a squash in 30 seconds and win the X-Division title. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think what you're saying is, like, Seidel's a guy who who he's a great hand to have, and obviously he can win this title back in, in, in a few months, or he can win – if he loses, he really loses nothing. Brian Cage loses, he loses a lot. And Brian Cage is the guy that you're looking at, you know, the, the, the peak, the top peak. Like, you can do a lot of stuff with Brian Cage as, as a top guy in this company, where Matt Seidel's going to have, obviously, a ceiling to him. So, yeah, you want Cage to be rehabbed a little bit, and you want Cage to be able to get to that point and sort of move on and, and move up the ladder, whereas Seidel really loses.
1: I felt lose like they – it felt like they really had something with Cage. He felt like the biggest deal in the company when they were pushing on the undefeated. So I think to get that mojo back, a squash is what I would do. Do I think they're going to do that? No, I don't. Um, but that's what I would do. I'd have him go out there and squash Matt Seidel and and get all and get some of that uh, you know momentum back going. But but he absolutely should win. If he doesn't win the title, I, I you know I I I want their heads checked. Whoever's making that call, it, it, <laughs> it just it's a no brainer. He has to win. You know, you know, even if you don't want him to have the X-Division title and go after the world title, okay, then don't book this match because I don't want to see him lose on some bullshit or Congo Kong coming out again. Just don't book the match then. he need, Since you have booked this match, he has to win.
0: Right, and then we have the Impact Knockout Championship. We got Su Young, the champion, defending against Madison Rain, and I think this is one that you've definitely <laughs> said what. What I find funny about this build here is they got Madison Rain, who in, in her promos is talking about her daughter and her real life and all these accomplishments, and then there's Su Young, who's you know bleeding and coming out of caskets and rising from the sky. It's a, it's kind of weird. It's, it, it's weird to have one part of this match be very grounded, a very normal human, and the other one being
1: obviously. Sue so Young. this crosses the line and belongs on Lucha. You have Sue Young who's doing this undead bride gimmick. I can't stand it. It's goofy. It's not what I want. In it's my pretty wrestling. terrible.
0: It's cringy. It's cringy. As it's fuck.
1: cringe as fuck, but the company's behind it and she very often main events the show with it, whether in a match or a segment, um, you know, so they are behind Sue Young. They are behind the gimmick. I hate it. I think it's bullshit. I think it belongs on, it would fit in perfect at Lucha Underground. It doesn't fit in on a show like this. And I wish they would get away from it. Madison Rain stinks. She's regressing. Um, She's bad in the ring. She's a horrible promo, and I have no interest in this. It's just, it's goofy bullshit, uh, and one of the wrestlers involved isn't good. Um, So hopefully, look, I'm not a huge Tessa Blanchard fan either, as everybody knows, but I'm willing to give Tessa Blanchard a chance. Now that she's under contract and they're going to get behind her, I would much rather see people like Tessa Blanchard and Allie on top, um, or or even Shotzi Blackheart, who they gave a chance on on TV this week, if they they eventually sign her. Right, yeah, yeah. Than this Sue Young bullshit, but they're they're solidly behind Su Young, and we're gonna have to live with it. Um, I hate it though; I think it's stupid. This week they're doing a sit down interview with Madison Rain, and then spooky music starts to play, and then she's you know looking for Su Young, and the interview girl disappears. It's just I I can't stand fucking magic yeah, tricks in my wrestling. I don't have any. I just want wrestling matches, Rich. I just want to watch people wrestle. So uh, to me, it's shit.
0: Uh, and then our main events impact world championship. You have Austin Aries, the champion against Moose. And if you have not watched the build of this, a lot of fun stuff in here. Moose is, is, is kind of boring. <laughs> There's not a ton there for him. I, it's fine. Tried. Cause you have D'Angelo they've Williams. Tried. They've tried. They have D'Angelo Williams coming by Moose saying, I train with D'Angelo Williams to get in the best shape of my life. And you know, when I, when I quit football, I quit because, you know, wrestling was my passion and I'm, I'm excited to get this. And this is going to be a big moment for me. And, and Moose is doing all right. They're trying with him. And then Aries is just fucking wiping the floor, man. Aries. Aries' character work, this entire thing is just fucking next level. Austin Aries is so good. He just says, Hey, look, this is my life. This isn't my failed second career. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, you know, just some fly by night guy like you are, you know, just really railing into moose, really kind of digging deep and, and really playing the character. Well, like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you're lucky I'm here. Like just, just a pompous asshole. That's just cutting a little too deep into moose. And and I love it. I think Aries is doing amazing work right now. Um, yeah, it's just great stuff by Aries, and 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 yeah, Aries is one hundred percent going to win this match, right? There's no chance. He
1: he should win. Match. I mean, I don't I don't know. That'd be a, a
0: disaster if Moose won this
1: match. Man, I think it would be. I I think he should win, but I don't know. I mean, they're paying Moose a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, they tried to run video packages for Moose and all that, and this week they had D'Angelo Williams come out and confront Austin Aries, and then they had Aries attack D'Angelo Williams. All that did for me is make me want to see Austin Aries versus D'Angelo Williams. Um, yeah,
0: right. know, yeah, which might be a better match than Aries
1: versus... Yeah, and they had Williams out there sort of defending his boy Moose, but they, they ended up heating up a match that they're not really doing, you know, and, and, and all they had was Moose on the phone. You can't even get Moose out there as we're drawing closer to this show to to, to cut his own promos in the building and have him on the phone. I mean, it just, it just hasn't worked. Uh, so hopefully Aries wins and moves on to bigger and better things. And uh then I don't know where you go with Moose. I, I look I think Moose could win. Absolutely. I just hope that he doesn't. Um Yeah, I think Aries is just doing next level he great is. work right now. If
0: you're not watching Impact, if you're not watching Aries, what he's doing all over the place, all over the world, all over the country, really great stuff going on. But this impact stuff is another level. I mean, his promos in that build up to the Moose match are awesome. Just next level stuff. Really good, you know, and, and it's exactly what you want out of a heel. Like he just nails it. He just got it. He, he's just exactly kind of the archetype that I want of a heel champion, is is what Austin Aries is doing right now. So I love it. All right. So, so that is, of course, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. We'll have a review up on the website uh, after the show. We have a preview uh, while most of you guys listen to this up at VoicesOfWrestling.com as well. And, Joe, I think we got to everything here except for uh, real quickly. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, ROH New Japan in uh, Madison Square Garden um, event? I forgot we were going to talk about that when we talked about the G1. We skipped over it. Uh, it was big news last week. It's not that much of big news now, I guess. Uh, ROH and New Japan are, are going to be there uh, August 6th, uh, obviously during WrestleMania weekend going to be at Madison Square Garden, G1 Supercard, uh, New York City. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's we can talk a, a bunch about it. I think maybe when we get closer, it'll be a little bit more significant. But I don't know. Is there anything big that you want to talk about with that right now? Yeah, we'll now? talk
1: about it more, obviously, as we get closer to WrestleMania weekend. I sure. mean, it's a big deal that ROH yeah. and New Japan are running MSG. The one thing I would say keep an eye on is they, you know, New Japan may have finally poked the bear. That's the one thing I would, I would, I would watch with this. Um, you know, you're running Vince McMahon's building running his dad's building you're running his grandfather's building and city you know and and, and you're already running shows in, in in his country you know and and, and uh, you know it's it's they may have poked the bear there and you know WWE is so big that they can you know come in with with offers that people cannot refuse and really pick New Japan apart um, if New Japan you know pisses them off um, to that extent so that's that's one thing I haven't seen people talk about that I think is is worth exploring. Uh, but yeah, this is a big deal, and it's going to be interesting to see how hard they push the takeover that's going to go head-to-head with it, which will probably run Barclays or something like that, I would assume, um, and, and, or maybe even Nork, but probably Barclays. Um, yeah, probably Barclays. And, and uh, you know, it's it's they're going head-to-head, and it'll be interesting to see. I think WrestleMania weekend, a or, or Ring of Honor New Japan show will draw. I'm not concerned about that. I think it will draw. I don't know if it'll sell out. We'll have to see how many tickets go on sale, the setup and all that. But I, I have, you know, I think it can draw. They drew oh for sure. Yeah. Ring of Honor by themselves, which is a couple of New Japan names, drew six thousand fans in New Orleans. A, a a show with New Japan branding and Okada and Naito and all those people added on to uh, your your Omegas and your Abuchis and your Tanahajis. I you know I'm not concerned about that. I think it can draw.
0: Yeah, and, and similar to All In, there's a significance to it it's in Madison's regard, and that, and that's the thing that there was a lot of like last week when the news came down, there was a lot of camps looking at like oh you know. Because w- we were saying on, on on Twitter account and most of the people that follow us and, and people that you know contribute to the website of how big of a deal this is. Because it is a big deal. Nobody else runs MSG. The MSG is WWE. That's arena. a huge deal. I mean, yeah. that is that they grew up on that arena. That company is built on the backs of that arena. That is their home arena. Even if they're using Barclays now because of the relationship, that is still their prior home arena. To and the, anybody- prior to the
1: pay-per-view era, their big shows every month were MSG. Right. Their big title changes, their big angles, yeah. So that's their fucking built. Yeah, this is a huge yeah. deal. That's this their home. A...
0: That's their backyard. That's that's the, the the one that built the company. The arena that built that company is the one that they're running. So that's a huge deal. And yeah, maybe directly New Japan and ROH aren't you know neck and neck competition because our you know WWE signed a billion dollar deal or whatever. But if you don't think that 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 Vince and WWE has one eye on that show and they're ready to to, to do whatever, I mean, this is a company that went out of their way to stop. ITV and World of Sport announced that they were going to maybe come back, and WWE went and did a UK tournament and signed a bunch of guys or whatever, and signed Jim Ross or whatever. They, you know, they, they go out of their way to stop this stuff. They go out of their way to stop the competition we talked about it earlier with the broken Matt Hardy stuff. If you don't think that this has got that is this has raised their ire, running that arena on that weekend, that that you're that this these two companies that are really. Kind of the neck and neck, the next, you know, threats to them or whatever. And, and however you want to use threat, even if it's a very small threat, a threat's still a threat. Anything that's pro wrestling that's not WWE is a threat to them. You know what I mean? Like anything in North America that's not WWE branded pro wrestling is a threat to them. No matter how small or insignificant it is.